0: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: This is the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. <sighs>
2: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman out today. She'll be back tomorrow. She was in a wedding yesterday, and she's worn out. Dan McLaughlin, our friend, our co-host, joining us for this morning on 101 ESPN. We're at 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Danny Mack, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, How was Canton? Canton was awesome. It was great. And hopefully next year we'll get either... Torrey Holt or Dick Vermeil into the Hall of Fame. A lot of momentum for DV to make the Hall of Fame next year. And then at some point, Torrey Holt will go into, and as you know, Dan, you've been around those 2006 and 2011 Cardinal teams and so many of the Cardinal Championship or pennant winning
3: teams. When championship teams get back together, it's like they've never been apart. It's amazing. They're back in the clubhouse. They're yep. back in the locker room. They're back to being in pads or a uniform and giving each other uh, you know crap yep. and uh having fun and uh in a good way good natured stuff but uh, i was gonna ask you about you know everybody talks about tory hold and i understand that and i hope my fingers are crossed that he does get in and maybe you got some intel on that when you were in canton but i was wondering why isn't dick Vermeil into the hall of fame he's 84 years old mm-hmm. I want to see him go in. And he's just been overlooked. It's not fair. When you look at what he did with Philadelphia, he
2: yes. had 25 bad years, and he turned around that organization. When he took over the Rams, when they won the Super Bowl, heading into the 99 season, they have been the losingest franchise in the league in the 90s. He, he goes to two Super Bowls. He wins one. Bill Cowher did that. Did and, well with Kansas City. Uh, yep. Right. And you look at a guy like Cowher, who went in this weekend, and he, he should. But Bill Cowher took over a machine that Chick, Chuck Knoll had built. He didn't have to rebuild anything. Right. So, to me, Vermeil's performance as a head coach in the NFL is as or more impressive than Bill Cowher's. And I, I just think he's been overlooked. And I think part of it is... Every team has a presenter. Bernie used to be the presenter for St. Louis. And you work so hard at getting your players in. Sometimes the coach is the last guy. So St. Louis, the Rams have five guys in now. Well, when you've got Orlando, Marshall, Kurt, now Isaac, plus Aeneas. So you've had those players. Plus, Bernie also worked on Roger Worley and getting him in. and now you look, you've got Tory and Vermeil, And I, I i think that singular voice in the room s- speaking up for Dick Vermeil hasn't been there. But I think that'll change. South Palantonio wants him in there. Kansas City, Vahe Gregorian is taking over as a selector now. And I believe that Vahe will vouch for DV. And by the way, Vahe was here when the Rams were here, so he'll know all about Torrey. Uh, and then obviously you've got Howard Balzer there. I think you've got enough people
3: in there behind DV that within the next year or so he'll get in. It's going to be a grind, though, I think, for Tory Hold, He's going to have to be patient. Right. I don't think it's going to happen right away. It's no. going to take some time for him to get in. And here's a guy that in the heart of the careers of Terrell Owens, Hall of Fame,
4: Marvin right.
2: Harrison, Hall of Fame, Randy Moss, Hall of Fame, during 2000 to 2009, he had more catches for more yards than anybody in the league, any of those guys. But you're right. There are people that have bigger names. Heinz Ward had 1,000 catches and was a, a two-time Super Bowl champion. Reggie Wayne is going to get in at some point. So, yeah, Tory might have to
3: wait, but at some point, because of the numbers that he put up in the era that he put up, he'll get in. So the players that were inducted, they only had seven to eight minutes. Yeah. And did they stick to it for the most part? For the most part, I thought every single speech that we
2: saw on Saturday, and I have to confess I didn't see a lot of them last night. I saw Manning and I saw Alan
3: Fanica. But every speech was good because they didn't give give them time to get boring. So I do wonder if it's better to have a short speech... I think the general. I'd be curious what the text line would say if you had your guy, or even at the Cardinals Hall of Fame, if you're going to go down there, um, or you're watching baseball's Hall of Fame. Would you rather have a short speech, or would you rather have where it's that guy's moment? And if he wants to go 30 minutes and thank everybody and have a message, are you okay with that? I, I because you think about it. I mean, like you know, Peyton Manning. All these guys have done so much. To get to that point, and then they say, "Okay, you got eight minutes to encapsulate your life and your career and thank everybody." It's really quick; it goes right. in a blink of an eye. The problem is, is that you had Deion Sanders go an hour, and the year that you had Jerry
2: Jones go in, he spent forty-five minutes. Kurt Warner goes at the end of that night, and everybody's sitting around for five hours, right? And Kurt edited himself. And so that, that's where you run into problems is if you make it 20 minutes, you still have those people that are that are going to go right. an hour. And so they actually had it set up to Academy Award style, play people out if they went too long. This Did weekend. they do it, though? Nobody had to be played out. Good. And Isaac, by the way, had his speech on an iPad on the podium, on the lectern, and Chris Berman accidentally took it. So Isaac didn't have his speech. Isaac literally had to speak from the heart. That's awesome. And he he went 10 minutes and he was fantastic. And we'll hear from that coming up at the uh, at the bottom of this hour and then again at 9 o'clock. Looking forward to that. The Cardinals take 2 of 3 from the Royals over the weekend, including a 6-5 loss yesterday. Man, that was...
3: Well, first of all, the Cardinals fell behind and wasted what I thought was a pretty good performance by John Lester. Lester was fine, gave him a chance to win. Really, the bullpen was outstanding all weekend long. The story of yesterday's game in the nine innings, Randy, the Cardinals got the leadoff man seven different innings. The leadoff man was on of the nine. They leave 11 on in the game. Um, They fight and crawl and scratch to tie the game up. It was really a... You know, just the, the game. I, I kept on saying lethargic. Everything mm-hmm. was lethargic at the ballpark. Maybe it was just a long homestand. You've already won two. It's really hot. It got really hot before the rain hit. But then they, they find a way to make it 5-5, five, five, and you think, okay, you're going to win this game. Mm-hmm. And they didn't. They, uh, they win two of three, which you, you win the series. But, man, that would have been nice to get that sweep. And the rain did come, a rain delay of more than two
2: hours. Runners at second and third, nobody out for the Royals. In the top of the ninth inning, Alex Reyes, who came back, and we'll talk about this, came back after the rain delay, gets Whit Merrifield to ground into a fielder's choice, and Nicky Lopez steps to the plate. Can he put him away on the
3: 0-2 pitch? Merrifield running, base hit into right. And the Royals go on top, an 0-2 pitch. And that makes it a 6-5 Kansas City lead.
2: And that was the final. Alex Reyes suffers the loss in the bottom of the ninth, by the way. You're down a run, 6-5. Tommy Edmond strikes out looking. Bader's fouls out to the catcher. And then Paul DeYoung with a pitch right down the middle struck yeah. out looking
3: to end the game well that kind of sums up the season that paul DeYoung has had he went over for 4 yesterday hit into a double play was hit by a pitch um the key moment in the game andrew kisner came up with the bases loaded had a 10 pitch at bat nobody out and i, I do think it's part of him probably being rusty of not playing but if he watches at bats he was way out in front on a lot of at bats mm-hmm. to where he's hitting it off the end of the bat even just the, the foul balls little squibbers that go off the end of the bat to the right side and hits a weak round ball right to bubich and he was on the ropes they had him on the ropes mm-hmm. they were ready to take him out and he was walking everybody and it turns into a one to two to three double play and i, I thought that was the key at bat in the game and i don't know what andrew kisner is going to be
2: but i think i this, don't think the cardinals do either no, but I, and that's what i was going to say at this stage of Yadi's career Who's served by Yachty playing all the time? Kisner certainly isn't. I don't think Yachty is, and I don't think the club is For me, if you play Andrew Kisner every Sunday, and you, if you would have done it from the beginning of the season, maybe you'd have a little bit more refreshed, number four. And if he's more refreshed, then as you play in August
3: and September, he's going to be better. Your team's going to be better. Well, if they bring him back next year, I think you have to do it. And yeah. I, but I've been saying that for three or four I, years. I, too. I think most well, people Kelly was here. Yes, and... All of a sudden, I I do think, and I know the Cardinals are going to go to Kisner and say to him, go play winter ball. And I think Mm -hmm. he's going to be up for it because he needs to get at bats. Yeah, he just flat out isn't getting at bats. I I wonder if it would have been beneficial for the Cardinals to send him down after the break and not as a demotion, but as a way to get a bunch of at bats. If Yachty's going to play in this stretch of baseball just to stay sharp. Yeah, and Mo
2: referenced that when we talked to him a couple of weeks ago. Would Is he better off playing in A? And I have to believe that because of what... He had 90 at-bats in 90 games before the All-Star break. Right. So
3: I have to believe that at-bats would have benefited Kisner. I would say so, and and that's going to have to happen going into next year. I'm not sure Herrera is ready. Now, he may be the catcher of the future. We'll mm-hmm. find out. Time will tell. But he hasn't had a great minor league season. Now, is that because it was lost from the year before and you're trying to play catch up could be or you know he's still developing but uh if he's i'm what my point is i'm not sure he's the guy next year that comes in and is the the backup i would assume it's kisner but you've got to keep him sharp some way somehow and i need to get your take on the alex reyes coming back after the wrong long rain delay i was uh i was kind of 50 50 on it um first of all let's get this out of the way He had faced two hitters, and I posed this question during the break, and I did some deep diving. Does this mean that he has to still continue with the three-batter minimum? And so if a pitcher is injured or gets sick in the rule book is my understanding, you can take him out. Um, Now, there also is, with umpires, the common sense type aspect of this, which that would fall in that category. So he did not have to come back out. But I would think that they went to Alex and said, "Hey, if, if are you okay?" You know, and he said, "Yes." I would also assume that the Cardinals have a couple of batting cages, Randy, that are away from the 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 public and TVs and all that kind of stuff. They're kind of under the stands, not far from the dugout. I would assume he probably did some throwing in there just to stay loose and hot. To not hot, but at least warm. He then he got hot. Mm-hmm. And then it was interesting. I would love to have talked to Mike Schild after the game. Uh, I'm not sure people could see it on TV, but as they came back, which is always kind of a gray area, they say, okay, we're going to be back at 6.50, and all of a sudden guys start trickling out at 6.45, 47, 48, and they go, "Oh, well, everybody's ready, let's go. But Mike Maddox went out to the mound and kind of watched Alex warm up. Now I would assume that was part of looking at the mound to make sure it was in shape for him and after the rain delay and they did a very good job of getting the tarp on the field right away because it started to pour so they took care of that pretty quickly. I would bet uh, that that was part of that but also just looking at him and how you feel. Do you want to do this? And he said he did and he got the first guy and then all of a sudden, it was an 0-2 pitch, and game was over at that point.
2: Cardinals off today. They will be in Pittsburgh tomorrow. One other headline for you. Mizzou has named their new athletic director. Desiree Reed-Francois comes from UNLV. She's been with Power 5 schools at VaTech and at Tennessee. She was at Tennessee when Conzo Martin got hired there. And she is charged with taking Mizzou Athletics to the next level.
3: I would imagine this is part of the image likeness stuff, too, and trying to be as creative as you can be with your coaching staff. And then it trickles down to the athletes, the student-athletes, but let's see how creative we can get. We're in the SEC. We see they're going to bring in Oklahoma. They're going to bring in Texas. It's, the, it's what drives the bus for your athletic program. So let's see how she uh, is able to forge that relationship with Eli Drinkowitz, move this thing to another level. Eli, it looks like for the most part, has done his part, mm-hmm. at least in the first year, bringing kids in and being competitive. And now it's about just bringing money into that program as much as you can. And by the way, I should note that over the
2: weekend, I talked to several alums of Nebraska who were talking about how lucky we are to have Eli Drinkwitz. They brought back Scott Frost and they're not thrilled with Scott Frost. Players are leaving right and left. His best players are leaving the program at Nebraska. And I was Ouch. Saying, Yeah, we've we've got Drinkwitz and they said, Yeah, we know. Yeah. He's <laughs> and, pretty good. Yeah,
3: he's really good. So and thirty seven I mean, years old. Yeah. I, it, my thing is though Randy, let's not to be a naysayer, I think you have to pump the brakes a little bit. Is the first year went? I'm not sure it could go any better. Mm-hmm. Agreed. But now, you know, now that he starts getting his kids in and with the transfer portal. Let's see what happens. Now is the test year two, year three, to make the full evaluation of where he's at. So Desiree Reed-Francois
2: will be officially introduced as the new athletic director at the University of Missouri later in the week. Dan and Randy off and running on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. We'll have the opportunity to start one, bench one, cut one here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101
1: ESPN.
2: Alright Dan, start one, bench one, cut one and I'm going to put some heat on you. Alright, okay. Three guys that were in Canton this weekend, okay? You get to start one, you get to bench one, you get to
3: cut one. Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Kurt Warner. Uh, I'm going to start Warner. Mm-hmm. Bench Peyton Manning <laughs> cut Tom Brady. It's unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> and that's just only my personal biases coming through. That's not probably what I would do if I was going to win a game. Sorry, uh, no, that's that. That is totally cool. All right, I think I, can't, actually, I can't bench or cut uh, Kurt Warner. No,
2: well, I'm going to bench him. But this is and this is totally a St. Louis thing, and maybe a Midwest thing. But I am going to start Manning. I'm going to bench Kurt, and I'm also going to cut Brady, which is kind of amazing that two people could come up with that conclusion. Emily, what do you think?
0: Randy, you're cutting Tom Brady? I
2: just cut the goat.
0: Well, I'm shocked.
2: Yeah. But I, you know what? I've got I've, – hey, do I feel bad about having Peyton, uh, Peyton Manning starting my game and Kurt Warner, if something should happen to Peyton, being on the bench? I don't feel bad about it at all. I
3: understand. Uh, I'm going to go with a little baseball – Look at uh, maybe some changes coming to the game. Okay, okay. I am going to start the, uh, and I don't know if this would happen, but mm-hmm. I wanted to expanded playoffs. Okay, bench the DH, cut the three batter minimum. Did I do that? All right. Yeah. Uh, sure, well, in, and, why is Emily? Yeah. She's looking at me she, like it's it's
2: you you ask whether or not we want to do that. But all right, see, But then I will. Uh, I am. I'm going to cut the DH. I am also going to start the expanded playoffs. Okay, but I'm going to bench the three batter minimum.
3: I'm sick of the three batter minimum. I'm done with it. It's not good. Well, it's supposed to start. It's supposed to make it faster. Right, making it faster. It's it's bad for pitchers. Well, the other for managers. What what do you do when Hennessy Cabrera hits a guy in the face and the next guy in the back? Right. Which has happened. Correct. Yeah. So that's the part I don't like. Yeah. I was never a fan of the DH, but now after Carlos Martinez, KK, and Jack Flaherty were hurt swinging the bat, I'm leaning more towards saying, eh, okay, I can handle it. And I think we do just get used to it, the, the DH. But we also, and Rick
2: Horton is great about this, we also have to come to grips with the fact that there will be very
3: little nuance in the sport. There's not going to be much thinking left. No. Um, by the way, I loved the expanded playoffs last year they in baseball. fun. I, I thought it was great. You know, we have it in other sports. Like hockey, it seems like tons of teams making the playoffs. It seems to work. Uh, I would love to see it in baseball. I would assume the owners would love it because they're going to make more money. The players might make more or are, are going to make some more money, too. Um and with a pending CBA, I think there's a lot of things on the table. I mean, you look at the the teams invest so much in these young guys, international and also in the draft, and the players are going to say, well, that's great, but I want free agency a year earlier, mm-hmm. and I'd love to be able to have arbitration a year earlier, which in the end comes down to money. But um, also the DH will be there. I wonder if they're going to add like a 27th man. Mm-hmm. I can see that happening too. You know what else I'd like to
2: see in regards to – free agency have it be time spent in pro ball rather than at major major league baseball because if you are a team right now with the way the rules are if you draft it you could draft a college player keep him in the minors for five and a half years before he becomes a, a six-year minor league free agent bring him up essentially in his sixth year and then he's got six years at the major league level you can have a guy that's 22 that you are in control of until he's 34
3: that's right. And so I think they've got to find a way to get players into free agency earlier. Well, the players want that. Yeah. I would think that that's their number one thing going yeah. forward. Yeah, especially because Arbitration of too. Yeah, But analytics, teams
2: don't want to sign guys that are beyond 30 years old.
3: No, they don't. And um, the other part of it, too, and we talked about it on the broadcast yesterday, and I agree with Ricky, is that you know they're going to sign Emily for 150 million dollars, and Randy's going to get 220, and we've got this kid that's 22, and we can pay him the minimum, so we're just going to rush him to the big leagues. Mm-hmm. And so what? But he's going to make 550 thousand dollars, and because I got to pay you two guys, that happens. Mm-hmm. So the system isn't broken, I don't think. It just needs to be massaged. And maybe on later in the show we can, because Mister DeWitt
2: always talks about what is our competitive advantage, and I have. An idea of what mine is. We'll talk about that later in the show. I want you to think about what the competitive advantage for a major league team could be. But we want to get to your text. Emily, what do you got?
0: From the 636, start one, bench one, cut one, Kurt Warner, Ozzy Smith, Bobby Plager.
2: Oh, my. Wait a minute. Say that again. Fair. So three St. Louis icons Kurt, Ozzy, and and Bobby Plager. Oh, come on. That's yeah. really brutal. That it was is. the
0: first one we got, too. Yeah.
2: Okay. I am going to start Ozzie. I am going to bench Bobby Plager. And I'm going to cut Kurt Warner. That and, was mine. And the reason is is that Ozzy is a huge member of our community, and our community gets things because we don't have the PGA Championship here if it's not for Ozzie Smith, as an example. We get things because of Ozzy. Bob Plager, obviously a fantastic St. Louis and, and a key part of our community, essentially for his entire adult life. And Kurt, while he still does wonderful things for our community and did bring us a Super Bowl, he lives in Arizona now. So he's just not as key a component of our
3: community is the other guys that's uh pretty much you stole my thunder randy sorry so ozzy was also my guy as a kid growing Mm -hmm. up or even as a fan growing up so that's i can't cut or i can't bench or cut ozzy uh bobby was around and did so much for hockey in this community that we've talked about whether it was on the ice or off the ice and lived here year round and did so much for youth uh hockey in this area too and Kurt, not living here, still has a hand here, does a lot of great things here, and the one Super Bowl here, which gives you a lot of cachet. Yeah, it was pretty good. But I uh, I would have to cut him. But, man, it, it, it's just hard, even hard saying that. Yeah. I don't like saying that. This I don't like this segment. <laughs> <laughs> this is too tough.
0: All right. I got another tough one. You want another tough one? Yep. Okay. From the 636, start one, bench one, cut one. Jack Buck, Harry Carey, Dan Kelly.
3: Okay, that is tough. Mm. I'll start, Randy. But, Let okay, me start this one. I'm, I'm starting Jack. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bench Kelly and cut Kerry.
2: Uh, I'm doing the exact same thing, Dan. Yeah. And part of that is that, obviously, Jack was our mentor. Uh, another part of it is, for me, is that I, I worked with Dan Kelly. And Dan Kelly... There, there was no argument during Dan Kelly's lifetime about who the best hockey announcer was in North America. It was Dan Kelly. People was, still say today. Yeah. Best. The best. Right. And Harry Carey, while iconic and did an unbelievable job here and then in Chicago, uh, it, he was different, but I don't think he was ever considered the best. I'm just doing this from the, the quality of the broadcaster he was different he he wasn't a workman like broadcaster like the first two were okay I, I can understand that but he was a man of the people oh totally and he, a superb broadcaster I mean he, right. he could paint a picture for you and he brought more emotion to it probably for a fan than the other guys did but
3: I didn't know him as well I didn't either so I'm going with uh, Buck Kelly Carey again I don't like this segment it's too tough <laughs> fair fair
0: Okay, well, I'll give you an easier one. All right. From the 314, start one, bench one, cut one. Pork steak, barbecued chicken, brisket.
2: For me, brisket starts. Uh, Dan, I'm going to go with the pork steak on the bench, even though it is kind of a once or twice a year delicious endeavor for me. And then uh, my third one is going to be the barbecued chicken, which is maybe it's because I'm kind of... It's easy to become bored with barbecued chicken because it is, for me at least, it's more not an everyday thing, but it's more of a regular menu
3: item. I probably have barbecued chicken twice every 10 days, I would say. Yeah. Okay. So put it on the grill. I, you know, I I get chicken at Costco and it's healthy. I have chicken and broccoli and it's, I should do that more actually. I'll tell you what, brisket is, if you get a good brisket, yeah. Holy smokes. I go brisket, chicken, pork steak. I'm not a huge pork steak guy. I mean, I'll have it occasionally, and mm-hmm. if you get it done right with the right little barbecue sauce, I like barbecue yeah. sauce, so if I, I do if I get it right, then it's it's good, and it's, I, I'd rather leave that as a delicacy yeah. for me. I never do brisket at home, and I rarely get it
2: at a restaurant, so it is something very special for me. Yeah. I love brisket. I do, too.
0: All right, I got one more for you guys. Steve. Yes, ma'am. From the 314, start one, bench one, cut one. Joe Montana, Dan Marino, Brett Favre.
3: This is easy for me. All right, I'll start. Okay. Um, I'm going to start Joe Montana. Good I'm going to bench Brett Favre and I'll cut Marino. And the other two guys have rings and championships. Marino doesn't, although Marino may be of the three. Might be the best. He's the best thrower of the that's ball. That's what I mean, without question. Yeah. So that's what makes it tough. I always found it. So when you say like, um, well, this guy never won. Was it really his fault? No, not at I all. I mean, there's other people around him, or a defense that's no good, or whatever the case may be. So it's not ne- I I don't like to say, well, that guy never. He's not any good because, or he shouldn't be considered right. that because he never won a championship. It's Kind of like what's going on with Chris Paul, sixteen right. years. Yeah.
2: Well, and that's why when we have the Brady, this is why I, Malone, I have no problem. If you put Manning on New England and Brady on Indianapolis, I don't think Brady is Brady
3: in Indy, and I think Manning is even better in New England. I would, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, so, I, I think so. What if What if Kurt Warner doesn't get uh, hurt with the the hand issue and And he's on some of these teams. What if you put Dan Marino with some of the great teams of that era? What happens? Now, here's my thing, is that
2: Montana could get away from a pass rush. He had great offensive lines all the time. Brett Favre gave you a chance to win regardless of how good the surrounding talent was. Dan Marino needed the offensive line to be really good. Mark Duper was pretty good, too. Yeah, Duper and... Super uh, uh, Duper. Yeah. Mark, super Duper, yeah. Uh, and, and Clayton, they, they were yeah. fantastic. But just in terms of the offensive line, I'm going to go with Favre because of his mobility. I'm taking Montana because of his m- mobility, ability to throw on the run, clutch. Favre because he could lift a, a bad club. I think Marino just needed... Not that he needed everything to be perfect, but because of his lack of mobility, he
3: needed a better surrounding cast than those other guys did. Now, I know the answer to this question for myself, but I am curious. If Mm -hmm. you were going to say you could go watch Montana, Marino, or or Favre, who do you want to go watch for one more Sunday in their prime? The guy to watch for me is Favre. Me too. Yeah. Even though he's not the best, he's the most fun to watch. Absolutely. He was a gunslinger. He took chances. That made it fun. Yeah. So that's the guy I would want to watch. And you know what? If this is
2: any three, if you put Favre, you you can put Favre. Let me put it this way. If you do start one, bench one, cut one, you can take any three quarterbacks in history and legitimately have Favre as part of the group. Any three in history. If you're going to take one QB, who are you taking? In history to win a game? Yeah. Or to win a, a, a big game?
3: I'm still taking Montana. Interesting. Yeah. How about you? Uh, I wish I wouldn't have thrown this question out because now I got to think about it. No. Probably Montana. And by the way, we don't include John Elway in this conversation enough. I would agree with that. Back to back Super Bowls. He finally wins, goes out a champion. Yeah. And lifted teams. And this is. It didn't happen, though, until he had Terrell Davis. Well, he didn't win. But those three
2: teams that lost the Super Bowl had no business being in the Super Bowl. He lifted the talent around him as well as anybody in the history. I would agree with that. Coming up, speaking of people like Elway, Montana, Favre, it was Hall of Fame weekend. And we'll hear some of the highlights from some of the great speeches next on 101 ESPN. We're
1: right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: In Canton, Ohio, on Saturday night, the Hall of Fame class of 2020 for the Pro Football Hall of Fame was inducted. And then last night, the 2021 class. And in addition to the players, there were writers and broadcasters that received awards. And on Saturday night, the Pete Rozelle Award was given to Joe Buck. Now, they don't show this award on TV. They give it out during a commercial break, but we were fortunate enough to be in the stands as Joe Buck received his P. Roselle Award. And here's part of his speech.
5: All right, I'm going to be quick. I've only got two minutes, so here we go. I'm 52, and I've
6: learned it's all about luck and timing in life. Okay. Jack and
3: Carol Bach met in the late sixties and about nine months and three hours later I was born. <laughs> I grew up and I live in St. Louis, home of the Super Bowl champion Saint Louis Rams.
2: <laughs> I wonder what the league thought of that. They they really don't like St. Louis references
3: during the hall of fame ceremony or probably in general so i wonder what they thought of that so what did you hear about uh the lawsuit when you were there was there any undercurrent of people that you talked to that mentioned the lawsuit i was only talking to st louis rams people
2: yeah and all of those people that i was with they're on st louis's side but they don't there there really isn't much insight i did talk to People from the L.A. Rams side who believe that there is a feeling in the Rams front office of concern.
3: By the way, uh, we were questioning last week whether or not you would run into Kevin Demoff or Stan Kroenke. Kevin
2: was there for the gold jacket ceremony on Friday, and there wasn't reasonable and cool information. access for the media we would have had to be in a tent outside and watch on tv with no access to to isaac we couldn't have talked to isaac so we just went out to dinner but kevin was there for that and then apparently flew out on saturday morning before the ceremony kevin and Cronky both okay we there for the gold jacket ceremony but didn't stick around for the induction of isaac bruce who by the way as we know in covering him here in st louis and watching him play he loved to have a chip on his shoulder and during his induction speech that became more evident than ever
7: to the uh, to the to the nameless voice that called me 2 weeks before the draft in 1994 to let me know that the NFL wasn't checking for me. They didn't like me. They like they like more of NFL legend, legend Bertie Manuel and Ryan yabara I know you're alive. I know you're listening. I pray God keep you alive for this day. So my message to you is rap legend Kumo D wanted me to ask you how you like me now.
3: Yes, sir. That was beautiful. Now, on the flip side of that, what if you're like, um, you know, you're having a a family lunch, maybe early dinner, and all of a sudden your phone just starts to explode in your Burt Emanuel or your Yarbrough. <laughs> what did I do to I didn't do anything to Isaac Bruce, right. you know? I'm happy for the guy. Yeah. Why am I thrown into this thing? Yeah. But that's awesome that he said it. it's funny. It's
2: fantastic. And I thought the speech of the night on Saturday came from Edgarin James, and I never interviewed Edgarin James, never spoke to him. I saw him in snippets on TV, but he just delivered a great speech and This is a guy that is, he's got a mane, he's got dreadlocks, and he he had a, a great close to his speech.
8: For some reason, I always had to deal with perception. Perception, though, isn't always reality. It definitely wasn't my reality. People looked at my gold teeth and dreads and were shocked and surprised. I had never been under arrest or spent time in jail. So many people told me that you can't have dreads and gold teeth and be accepted in the NFL, but I never listened. I always knew who I was, a great football player, a great father, a proud black man, a lion, and this was my main. Which many of those doubters were later discovered once they got to know the real me. Times have changed. Look around the league, look at some of the young stars, As a matter of fact, look at my Pro Football Hall of of Fame bus, rocking the same dress they said I shouldn't. My closing message proudly represent the real you. Follow your dreams, aim high, and create the life you want to live. And to all those who have been judged prematurely because of their appearance, the way they speak, where they come from, and in the minds of many should be locked up in prison, I represent us. I'm forever immortalized, more locked up in the county correctional institution. <laughs> M.A. number 336 in the Pope Football Hall of Fame. We started with gold teeth and ended with this gold jacket. Good
3: night and God bless. <laughs> Pretty good, really well done. I saw him interviewed afterwards on set on uh, NFL Network, and he was really good. And they asked him about the speech, and he said, "What people didn't realize was the only thing I wanted to do was play football." He said, "I, I went to school, I was educated, I would go to practice." I cared about the game, and I went home to be with my family. And he said, you know, people had this perception of me of what he just spoke of, and he said that just wasn't me. Mm-hmm. And so I, I thought about it how many times all of us judge because of what we see on the field. We right? don't We don't know these guys behind the scenes. None we know of some of them because we get to know them. We've been around them for a while. But, you know, I always say they're human beings, man, and, and that's – a good example of it. It is. He he was terrific, and Saturday night was great when we were there. And it's
2: really fun to see the people around the Hall of Famers, everybody around Isaac, whether it's his family or his former teammates, they're so thrilled, and they should be. To, to be a part of this. And it, that that to me was the coolest thing. And there's a great picture if you haven't seen it yet. It's on Isaac's Foundation uh, Instagram page. But it's got the photo of Isaac, Marshall, Orlando, and Kurt around Isaac's Hall of Fame bust. And those guys were as
3: thrilled for Isaac going in, in as they were when they went in themselves. Um, it did have a St. Louis flavor when you have Joe and you have obviously Isaac. And then you had Steve Atwater yep. too from Luther North. I'm curious, and so I'll ask you, so I get to ask you all the questions about this, but uh, w- was there a lot of fans from St. Louis there? Was there a pretty good contingent of Rams, St. Louis Ram fans? There were. There was a palpable
2: bruise when Isaac was introduced and then throughout the course of his speech. Good. And, and obviously with Joe, as we heard with the, the great St. Louis shout-out. That was a really loud response when Joe mentioned St. Louis, too. And I would assume it was dominated by Cowboy and Pittsburgh fans, totally. too. And Pittsburgh is only an hour and a half away. Right, people, It's easy to drive. They had five people going in over the course of the weekend. And then so many older Cowboys. It was dominated by them. And then, obviously, Peyton Manning and... Steve Atwater from the Broncos. He had a pretty strong Denver contingent there, too. Pretty cool. It was great. We'll, cool. hear more. we'll hear more from Isaac and from Peyton Manning coming up at 9 o'clock. But coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. And uh, we've got a little game of Take It or Leave It. Dan and Randy on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: We want your text to the Air Comfort Service, text line 65780. It's time for a game of Take It or Leave It. And Dan, over the weekend, Bobby Bowden passed away. He was 91 years old. Finished, One of my favorites. He was great. Finished his career with 377 official wins. They had actually taken some away because of uh, them being Free Shoes University back in the day. Oh, uh, come on. They, they had a, a bit of a scandal. Well. But the top three Division One winning coaches of all time are Joe Paterno, Bobby Bowden, and Bear Bryant. And then you have people from way back when, like Pop Warner Warner and Amos Alonzo Stagg. But take it or leave it. Bobby Bowden is the most underrated college football coach of
3: our time. I'll take that. Um, I think the issue was wide right. Yeah, it really was. You know, what was it, twice? Maybe even three times it went wide right. So then they went out and got the number one kicker in the country. Remember when they did that? yep. And he went wide right, I believe. Mm -hmm. And it was Florida State-Miami. It was always the game of the century every year with those two teams. And if they don't do that, and he wins a couple of more national championships, then I think we look at him in a different light. I agree with you. And he did an
2: unbelievable job for such a long time. And by the way, it was West Virginia and Florida State that were his main schools. But... People don't think of him. When we talk about the best coaches great of all call. time, we we don't his name doesn't come up. We we bring up Paterno, we bring up Saban,
3: we bring up Bear Bryant, but he's just not one of the John McKay at USC. I, Lou Holtz too. Yep. But we don't bring up Bowden. I agree. I'm gonna take that. All right, take it or leave it. Uh it's kind of a two parter, okay? Mm-hmm. Yachty and Wayno, take it or leave it. Do they come back for next year? And does it happen within a two-week period after the season ends so it doesn't drag into free agency? Okay. I am going to take that. I'll I'll leave that it happens within two weeks
2: after the season ends. Really? Yeah. But I I will take that Wayno comes back. And I'm coin flip on Yachty because I think what we've talked about with the idea of him having to agree to acquiesce to lesser playing time, I don't know if he'll be into that. And I, I have to believe the Cardinals are going to say, we need this to happen. That we, we need a young catcher
3: to get some playing time behind you. This may surprise you. I'm actually the other way. I'm kind of coin flip on Wano. Hmm. And uh, there's no doubting. He's still pitching at a high level. He's been the best pitcher for the Cardinals. He's been one of the best pitchers in the league here mm-hmm. for the last two months. Um, I, I'm kind of coin flip on it, though. And my the reason I say that, it, it'll be up to him whether or not he comes back. And they'll, they'll work out the numbers to make sure it happens if he does right. want to come back. So I don't think that'll be a problem. But I, I just have a feeling that, and I don't know why I feel this way, but Wayno may be being pulled by the family. Yep, you know that his da- oldest daughter is going into high school, right. and when you're a baseball player, hell, if you're a baseball broadcaster, you're not around <laughs> a lot, and um, and so for seven months, you know you're gone. Really, you mean it? And and in those seven months too, Randy, you're. Oh, I always felt like you're there, but you're not there. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Like you're home, but yet you're at the ballpark at let's say 1 or 2 o'clock, or you're always thinking about the next game, the next start, Mm -hmm. that night's game, whatever, if you're an everyday player. So you're you're present, but are you? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good point. I I just – I wonder if he's getting tugged at emotionally, internally. You know, his family, I'm sure, is is going to say, hey, you make the decision. But I just wonder if he's got a lot of internal pull to say – I've done it. I've come back. I'm going to leave on my own accord. I'm not leaving because I'm injured and leaving it on the table some other years that I thought I could be good. Mm -hmm. It's going to be 40 later this month. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And where I think the other side for me, for Yachty, is that he wants to play. And I think they'll make it work out that he comes back. And I'm okay. I I understand what you're saying, too, with the playing time thing. Mm -hmm. I think he'll be fine with that. But I, I think he wants to finish as a Cardinal. And one other note about
2: Adam. All bets are off if there is consternation in regards to a
3: work stoppage. He's told us he doesn't want anything to do with that. Well, I I would say buckle up. I think that we're going to have baseball next year. I think we'll have a full season. I don't think that'll be a problem. I I would love to say that cooler heads will prevail and smart people will come together and say, now, wait a minute, we're all making money here. We got to divvy up the pie And to the bigger point is we're coming off a pandemic and we cannot do this to the people that support us, which are the fans. This is unlike any other work stoppage potentially that they've had. You cannot shut this thing down. You can't. We need to
2: get to your texts now. Emily with the the text line 65780 brought to you by uh, Air Comfort Services. Emily, what do you have?
0: From the 636, take it or leave it, Stan settles out of court because the facts are too powerful.
3: I'm going to leave that. I am too. I think that the people here locally want to push it yeah and
2: and that's with a qualifier if Kroenke and the league will admit their misdeeds and say okay we'll we'll settle and we'll admit what St. Louis says is correct that we lied to them I think there would only be a possibility of a settlement then because this is about more than money
3: it's about showing that the NFL did St. Louis wrong I agree to an extent but that number better be pretty big. There's got to be a lot of zeros behind it before they say, yeah, we're okay with it. And with the value, the, and Forbes came out with their NFL 4. franchise
2: values. Billion? four four and a half. Okay. And, and so the difference now between the time they left St. Louis and what it is now is $3.35 And so St. Louis, at least if you read the lawsuit, is going to be looking at...
3: In the range of $4.1 billion. You may know um, the answer to this. If they stayed here and you're in a top 25 TV market and you went to the new stadium, what would the franchise value have jumped to? Any idea? It might go up to $2.5 Okay, so it, you've been be, middle of the pack then? Yeah, yeah, and they were, I believe, second lowest when they left. And currently they are top four? Top five, yeah. So number one would be Dallas. Yeah, Dallas, New England, Washington, They might be number four. How is Washington so high with everything that they've gone through and they're not winning on the field? Where's the money? They still have that blue blood fan base that's there. Okay. People are still into it. I understand it. I'm just curious. You understand that better than I do.
0: Dan, this one's for you from the 615. Take it or leave it. Mr. Donut was way better than Dunkin' Donuts.
3: Now I remember Mr. Donut. I, I was just going to ask you Mr. Donut at a yellow sign I think. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Actually there's one that's even better. Um there was a place in South City and I can't remember what uh, the name of it was. It was a, just a it was a little tight about as big as actually I think the when you walked in Randy mm-hmm. and Emily this this donut place was smaller than our studio. Wow. And it was awesome. And I it just said donuts on the side. So we were, it was just donut. There was no national chain connected to it. That's the best donut I've ever had. Wow. And I can't remember the name of it, but we would go get donuts there all the time. Just shout out to South City. Yeah. I am going to take
2: Mr. Donut, greater sign, Dunkin' Donuts. And I'm going Dunkin' Donuts, by the way. Okay. We had a place in St. Louis called Ray's. Loved Ray's. Ray's was fantastic. And they were monstrous donuts, too. I miss them.
0: Dan, we have several texts saying Donut Drive-In or Donut Stop.
3: Donut Drive-In.
0: Donut Drive-In. Oh, yeah. yeah.
3: D-O-N-U-T, too. It was On awesome. Chippewa. That's it. That's it. Not too far away from Ted Drew. So if you weren't full of uh, donuts, you just go down and get some ice cream. What a great set. Yeah. All right,
0: we'll get to one more real quick. From the 618, take it or leave it, the Cardinals are a playoff team next.
3: So I'm going to use my Homerism here. My, my Homerism powers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to say they will be. Now I'm also going to say that, with the money coming off the books, I think they're going to spend. And I think that they know that they need to engage this fan base after this season. Um, you know, right now you're eight games out of the wild card. It essentially has been a 500 team. You've had five. You've been at 500, Randy, 18 times this year. So wow. you hit eight, mm-hmm. you know, you hit five hundred, then you drop down. So again, if they win on Tuesday night, tomorrow night, it'll be the nineteenth time they're at five hundred. So I think that they will spend money because they realize that they need to I don't know if re energize or re engage is the right word, but I think coming off the pandemic, um, the fact that it's been at times dull that mm-hmm. they, they need to be aggressive and say, Hey, we're gonna and also, from a baseball sense, we've got Nolan Arenado, we've got Paul Goldschmidt, we've got Jack Flaherty for a couple more years, if not longer. But we do have a chance to win. We have a young outfield, and let's go win. Let's go do it. Now they're going to have roughly sixty to seventy million, I believe, coming mm-hmm. off the books. Now you also have to pay for some arbitration guys. You got some of the money kicking in with Nolan Arenado. But I, I think to the great picture is. Yeah, I think they've realized we got to get after it. Yeah, and they they need to sign a couple more reliable relievers. I think they need a reliable
2: oh innings boy. eating starter because you're going to have Flaherty, Hudson, Reyes, maybe KK. I'd like to get it, and we don't know about Wayno, obviously, but they also need a dynamic middle infielder that can lead off. They just I, they, they don't
3: have a consistent lead off hitter. I would say that that's one of the things that you're looking at hard right now. Is Paul DeYoung the final couple of months? Where is Paul e. Dean? Mm-hmm. You know he's hovering around two hundred. You might see a great week, and then you see two bad weeks. And I mean bad. He's got only seven doubles, I believe, this year. Eight doubles. That's a problem. When you you know we're counting on him to be one of those guys. I also would be curious if they're saying, "Hey, we're going to go out and scour the market for those in the bullpen that can throw strikes." Yeah. I, I don't care if they throw a hundred. I just want to see strikes, and. You know, Wainwright is a great example of using him again, but he'll he'll get his strikeouts. Don't get me wrong, and he's fooling people and still getting a, a nice, healthy run of seven to ten. It seems like every fifth day, but man, put the ball, let him put a you know put the ball in play. Look at what's going on with Wade LeBlanc. Yeah, right. Wade LeBlanc is not fooling a lot of people, but he lets him put it in play. And every start the Cardinals have been in when he's on the mound. How come we don't see that? Uh, That's the thing that really frustrates me when I watch this team is that you do have very good defense, and in certain positions, elite. Let them hit it. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. That's Dan. I'm Randy. Coming up, the Cardinals did
2: waste some opportunities yesterday, and yesterday was kind of a microcosm of the season. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101
1: ESPN.
2: Dan is in for Michelle, Dan, and Randy on 101 ESPN. We're getting old. Yeah, we are. We're we're, we're whining about John Candelaria uh, coming in and just shoving against the Cardinals on opening day in 1983 after they'd won the World Series. We thought they were going to go 162-0. and 0. I would ask my uh, – so
3: I used to, as a kid, Randy, I had a notebook, and I would, before the season, I'd put all the dates of the games okay mm-hmm. and I'd listen to the radio every night because hardly any games were on TV and I know it may shock a lot of the listeners here, the young guys and gals. And so I had my dates, had versus Dodgers. I was a big artsy guy, you know I really I put different pens where they're at, what time it started, I would keep notes and I remember they would lose like the first game of a season and as a young kid I'd go to my my dad and I'd say, I mean, how come they can't go 162-0? I mean, this team's not very good. And I'd have to have it explained to me that baseball is a weird thing. You know, ball goes weird ways, and sometimes you don't have a good year. And I just never got over it. So I'm wondering, why is this team under 500? I'm not over it right now, Randy. Well... In, and I keep notes on this team too. I, I know Things you don't do. Change.
2: Very detailed <laughs> notes. And yesterday was kind of a, a microcosm of the season because the Cardinals this season have had multiple opportunities in the last several months during the course of the summer to get over five hundred. And yesterday they had a lot of opportunities to score runs, and Mike Shields' offense just couldn't come through on a regular basis. Yeah, I mean, you know, you appreciate the opportunity to come back, and the way the guys fought. And- Put herself in a position to, to tie the game going into the ninth, but clearly some missed opportunities. You know, Dylan gets it started with a homer to get it going and, you know, missed opportunities in the third. You know, Lester had to lead off double and, and then uh, left two in scoring position in the fifth. And of course, you know, had the base loaded in the fourth, nobody out and didn't, didn't scratch and had a couple guys on in the seventh and couldn't push one across. But, you know, had two strike sack fly by Dylan, Goldie with a two out knock and Ock, uh, and Nolan with a two out, two strike. You know, single to tie it. So um, there was some good, just some things we just weren't able to to get the bigger hit to, to uh, propel us to score some more runs. And Dan, we remember that 2015 season where the Cardinals couldn't score at all and they just pitched lights out. And in 2013, remember they took advantage of every opportunity and hit about 330 with runners right. in scoring position and. That was the 14 team. And some teams just have that ability, and it just happens for them all season
3: long. Sometimes it just doesn't. And this was, uh, you know, looking at what Mike's talking about uh, last night or yesterday. You had the ground rule double in the third. Well, first of all, let me say this. You had seven in nine innings. You had the leadoff man on seven times. That's remarkable. Seven times, and that included the first five innings. Okay, so you, you don't score in that potential uh, scenario. That is frustrating. Mm-hmm. So you look at the third. Ground rule double by John Lester. Then they get the next two. Base hit by Arenado. You have runners at the corners for Tyler O'Neill. Grounds into a fielder's choice. Then I look at the fourth. And this is, to me, when the game was going to go either way. You're going to win or lose. You had back-to-back walks, Tommy Edmund, Harrison Bader. Then on a 1-2 pitch... Paul DeYoung is hit by the pitch. So now the momentum is swinging your way and their starter is on the ropes. You have a 10 pitch at bat by Kisner. And the one thing he can't do, he did. Yeah. Grounds it back to the pitcher, turns into a one, two, three, double play. In the fifth, leadoff base hit Dylan Carlson. Dylan had a nice day. You also had a walk in that inning. They strand two. In the eighth, give him credit. They scratch the three runs to tie it up. But yeah, that's that's one you, you got to win. And uh, when you get seven of nine... That uh, reach to start an inning, you think you're going to get more than five runs. And it's pretty amazing
2: when you think about the number of opportunities that the Cardinals have had. 11 left on yesterday, too. Uh, Just from a game perspective, to get to or get over 500.
3: And they just can't seem to get over that hump. And the bullpen, by the way, this weekend was really good. Yeah. I mean, it's the best probably in a three-game set maybe they've had all year. They had given up going into that game in seven innings, one hit. No walks. So the bullpen did their job. Your pinch hitting was as good as it's been all year. They had Mm -hmm. four pinch hits in uh, the the three-game series. So everything was lined up for them to do it, and they just couldn't do it. You know, Alex Reyes comes up. And Reyes, you know, in that inning, looking at how it unfolded, uh, gives up a base hit to Alberto, but then it's the air by Goldie. Goldie hasn't made an (laughs) air all year and it turns around to to be the the costlier in the game. So it's like everything's clicking on one end and then that one thing costs them. And it seems like right. when they pitch, they don't hit and if they hit, they don't pitch. Yeah. It's just one of those years. And it's the
2: the classic every team is going to win 60, every team is going to lose 60 and it's the other 40. And it looks for all the world as if the Cardinals are going to go 40 and 4 or 20 and 20 in those other
3: 40. They they look like an 81 and 81 team. And I I hate even bringing this up because I've said it so many times because I always like to look at the schedule in chunks and say boy it's gonna be tough you're gonna have the Dodgers you're gonna have the Giants you're gonna have the Padres okay how do you come out of that gauntlet Mm -hmm. and then you say well here's a soft spot in the schedule because you're gonna get Pittsburgh and Kansas City and this team and that team they have it again they've got Pittsburgh for three then you go to uh, Kaufman Stadium then you come home, and I can't remember exactly who they play, but then there's another soft spot where you've got, like, Pittsburgh again. Detroit. Do we and see Detroit, Detroit Yep, yeah. Detroit's coming. So it, you sit there and say, well, that's a soft spot. Well, it hasn't been that way this year. You've been 500 just about against everybody. And that's just the way it's gone. Yeah, and un- until something changes, they're showing you what they are. Now, the, the – the thing that you'd, you'd like to say, well, this would be a jolt for the Cardinals in a positive way, Flaherty coming back, and he could pitch either Thursday or Friday. Mm-hmm. Talk to Mike Schilt about that. Um, you have the DH in play over the weekend in Kansas City. So I do wonder, even though Flaherty would be available to pitch in the Pittsburgh series, do you hold him out so that he doesn't swing the bat set over the weekend against Kansas City? I think that's something that is legitimate on the table that you would look at when you bring him back. Michael this made another rehab assignment yesterday. Looked pretty good. I actually watched the game um on minor league TV. Looked pretty good. Um so you got those two guys coming back. You know what what kind of jolt does that send the team? Do you now all of a sudden you start winning two or three, or three or four, and you make a run and you all of a sudden you go eight and two in a ten-game stretch. Now the problem is you're running out of time, and you have a lot of teams, Randy, you got to jump through to get to that second wild yeah. card and that's the one thing you can say well you're eight games out you got time you got a soft spot in the schedule all those things are true you got Michaelis and Flaherty coming back but uh, what makes it tough is that these other teams also are winning games like Cincinnati is starting to really put it together yeah, they've got them well they haven't I don't think they've lost against Pittsburgh this year and they've got nine more games left in a stretch of 42 or 43 so almost a fourth of their season left with Pittsburgh that they've just dominated so those are the kind of things you got to look at Mm -hmm. oh it's milwaukee that they come back uh, to on the 17th the david freeze night on that tuesday so it's it's just not easy It's, it's lined up to be a very tough year in 2021 that is today's fresh take with dan and randy on 101
2: espn coming up the blues are just over a month away from the start of training camp it's unbelievable we're going to talk to chris kerber about what we can expect next on 101 espn we're right
1: back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Danny Mackin for Michelle this morning, Randy with you, and we head to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line every Monday. We talk to the voice of the blues here on 101 ESPN, Chris Kerber. Kerbs, good morning. How are you doing?
9: Good morning, fellas. I'm doing good. How are you?
2: Good. How often, when you're driving down the road or just uh, kind of watching TV but not totally engaged, how often are you thinking of uh, blues lines? <laughs>
9: i got to be honest with you. Right now, not that often.
3: Okay, yeah, you got to realize who you're talking to, Curbs. It's Randy, who lives, breathes, and eats blues lines and also numbers on the back of a jersey. Just saying that. First number 89 ever. And thinks about the death of uh, of certain athletes because he loves to talk no? about death and O.J. Well, yeah, it's yeah. not
2: the death of athletes. It's the death of people that, unfortunately, were around athletes. Okay.
3: Not the I'm just thing. saying. Yeah, yeah. That's See, the, now you're, now you're going down legit. that road.
9: anyway curb sorry i digress it's the six degrees of sports death exactly yeah yeah no you you, know honestly randy like i okay so i'd say sometimes sometimes i do but but honestly you know with with me being you know such a a baseball fan and stuff i actually i spend more time kind of uh you know just kind of getting into that and and thinking of kind of other things because during the hockey season it, it dominates so much but uh um, and then i, I kind of, I don't know, if, I don't know if this is age. I don't know if this is time. Dan could probably relate to this in, 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 in a lot of ways too, when you're around a team so much, but you know, part of it is, is you think of so many possible scenarios, but then you, you have reality and you go, well, this is just kind of the way it is. So I'm just going to wait till it plays out. Oh yeah. And, and you don't, you, you don't tend to focus on, on some of the other stuff so much, uh, as you do kind of projection of, of where the overall group is going. I I don't know if that makes any sense or if I'm even explaining that well.
2: And I guess the best way to define it is we can project all we want, but we have no idea what's going to happen with number 91, right? So what's the point?
9: Well, well, bingo. Now it it, it sounds like if that's the case, we'd have no reason to have sports talk shows and we wouldn't have jobs. (laughs) right? (laughs) So, you know, I I don't, I don't say that to squash people saying, well, what are you doing thinking about that? I think um, I, I just hit a point that once a topic is there, uh eventually you have to wait for it to uh to sort itself out and then in the meantime we'll find other topics like i sent you that picture this morning i was down in louisville over the weekend right and um walking uh, did some amazing distillery tours and then walking the, the streets of louisville where they have the plaques uh, of you know the different baseball players that had signed with louisville slugger and then the tris speaker plaque was there who one time was the hit king in baseball, and. Uh, the, the number that jumps out of the out of me was the fact that in ten thousand one hundred career at bats, he struck out two hundred and twenty times. Remarkable. And then I started thinking that's a remarkable stat. And, and I really and 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 I and that, I was talking with a friend of mine that we were walking with down there. I go, I go, I know I know all the analytics and you know and, and slugging and OPS and all this stuff and how it all plays into things. But at some point in time, and this isn't being just a baseball purist or a uh, you know a uh, um, you know a traditionalist that can can advance. At some point in time, that's remarkable no matter what, and that means this guy's touching the bat on the ball that many more times. And, and, and to me, uh, there, there's still something great about that. So I, I spend time thinking about those kind of things.
3: I am curious, and, um, you know, we've been doing this a long time, Chris, you with the Blues and, and me with the Cardinals, and you do get attached uh, right or wrong to, to certain players. I mean, we're human. There's bias. We We are around guys at a – a restaurant or talking to them before games or whatever the case, we travel with them for months. So my point is you build up relationships with guys and it is business and it's the sports business where guys leave. But I I, I am curious and I don't need to hear where Tarasenko is going or where he's coming or whatever the hell he's going to do. But I am curious for you and your personal opinion, having seen him grown up uh, with the blues in his professional life and win a Stanley Cup with the blues and then the potential of him not being here what, what's it like for you to on a personal level to, to see what may happen with him? Does that make sense?
9: Yeah it does you know what I, I think um, if anything I'm disappointed in how this is playing out. I really am here I, and, and here's why I think uh, he, he was he was drafted as a blue. Um, the work that went in to to make him comfortable, and and look, at everybody in this organization is bent over backwards for for Vladdy, his family, and 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 things to to make him comfortable and 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 to to make him part of of this group. I mean, and that's that's just not hockey side. That's everybody in the organization. That's fans included. Um and uh and and I also look if you think of a player in any sport that you get drafted at the age of of eighteen, right? You then may not play for that team for a few years because you're still developing, whether it be in the minor leagues of or baseball or, or college or, or hockey, wherever it may be, right? Then you sign with that team. From the age of 18 until you're 27, 28 to 30, you, you've never really been able to control your own world, your own destiny, right? Now, yes, you get compensated extraordinarily well, but there's more than money to all this. And, and if something happens along the way where you're like, man, I need a change of scenery – Anybody in most any other job finds a way to, you know, okay, I've got to go do something else or I'm going to go work for another company that does something similar, right? At some point in time, I can understand an athlete or somebody saying, I want something different. I need to change. You know, to me, though, there's a responsibility in that, and the responsibility is twofold, right? And I don't think Vladimir Tarasenko's camp has handled this right. I don't think they've handled it well, and I think it's unfairly put Vladimir in a really bad spot, and I think he's gotten some really bad advice on this. It's not that it's the bad advice is not okay. If you want to, if you want to leave, let's look at it. It's how it's been done publicly. I think, I think the reporting, frankly, has been very one-sided to to some degree on this and, and, and not really open to some of the issues going from Vladdy side to the other way. And, and so to me, that's the disappointment here. I think, I think Vladimir has, has brought it well for the St. Louis Blues. He helped win a championship. He developed well here. I don't begrudge anybody saying, I think it's time for me to move on. I just, I just don't think he's done it very well, and to me, that's the real shame of it. Because I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's going to end up leaving a bad taste in people's mouths, and it didn't have to be that way. That's that's my feeling on that.
2: And I think he has diminished his value around the league. And you mentioned the, the one-sided reporting. I think that's in part because the Blues aren't saying anything to their credit. They're allowing his group to kind of dig their own hole here, but around the league, people are, are looking at this situation saying, do we really want to bring that into our organization? And I think that's hurting him too.
9: Yeah. Let, let me, and, and you're right, Randy. I wasn't saying one side of reporting is a, as a knock or a critique on, 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 on Jeremy who's been doing a great job or any of the other reportings that have come out about this. It's been, you've only been hearing from one side mm-hmm. uh, is, is where I'm going with that. And, and you're right. And And so, part of part of what happens when this when this goes is not only are you dealing with a player where somebody's wondering how, you know, are they injured or that kind of stuff, you know, but you're saying, okay, well, what is the real issue? Is there, is there other, you know, discontent issues that we could be bringing into our locker room and things like that? And, you know, there's the other – the flip side is at some point in time, somebody's always going to want a good player and say, we're going to find a way to make it happen. You know, and we've seen that throughout all different sports. But, um, you know, yeah, he – he didn't help himself publicly or privately in helping get this done by as public as things have gone and by some of the things that uh, that, that his camp has uh, gone ahead and said to reporters.
3: Are you starting to hear that guys are trickling back into town or does that happen like mid to late August and they start getting back on the ice and, uh, and start getting after it a little bit?
9: Yeah, I think so. some guys are starting to, to, to trickle back in. I think some guys have been there. There, there were some guys that especially because COVID, you know, up in Canada, and there were still travel restrictions that, frankly, stuck around, you know, here uh, throughout most of the summer. We're practicing out at Centene. So it, it is that exciting time, especially the ones that have kids who uh, now with the schools being, you know, not, <clears throat> excuse me, they're not opening until, uh, what's not going until the 23rd, 24th, somewhere in there, the new state law. So um, you, you'll see the guys starting to get back in time for their uh, their, their kids to get into the schools and all that. So it is, it is that kind of exciting time where it gets to be real close. The kids go back to school. And you've got about two weeks as a as a dad with nobody at the house to kind of gear yourself up and relax.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right.
3: Uh what are they doing when they're by themselves, uh, curbs? I you know, like eight, seven hits uh, you know, at night and there's no kids, no wife. I mean, you're going out having a little fun. What are they doing?
9: <laughs> well, if if you're like most dads, you're sitting on the couch going. Oh, my God, it's 8 o'clock at night, and I'm tired.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Good point. That's right.
2: (laughs) Hey, for both of you guys, how cool was it to see Pat Maroon throwing out another first pitch for the Cardinals this weekend?
3: It was awesome. It was awesome. By the way, they put Patty – so he threw it out to Mm Oz. Yeah. So they had champions. You know, it was kind of a champions-themed first pitch. Curbs, you'll uh, appreciate this. And then I guess it was maybe the fourth or the fifth inning, and uh, they go to the suite. They know where he's sitting. He's in a private suite. And they put the the – camera on him he's on the video board and it's uh, john hewlett says ladies and gentlemen welcome back three-time stanley cup champion st louis native pat maroon everybody's going wild and patty realizes like oh okay i'm on so then he stands up he waves and then he reaches down grabs a full cup of beer and chugs it <laughs> just boom 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 <laughs> slammed it down place went nuts we went on to the next inning that's it was great. hockey baby yeah. that's hockey <laughs> That's Patty yeah, he, too, he, isn't it?
9: Yeah, it is. And and the fact that he's had the fun he's had and and has kind of made himself legendary along the way with the, the beards, the speeches, the you know, the, the beer. I mean it, it it really is fun to see what it is I, I think it's as I, I think in so many ways his story is is every bit as good as Kurt Warner's uh you know, minus the Hall of Fame uh, you know, finale of it. You know, but I, I, I mean there there's there's potential movie making stuff and what Pat Maroon did and the choices he made and and how he got to all of a sudden winning three three Stanley Cups. I, I frankly, guys, I, I, whether, and you know, seeing Pat Maroon throw out that first pitch and it, it was awesome, uh, the, you know, the coverage and, and, and the way that, you know, this city covered Isaac Bruce's induction into the Hall of Fame as if the Rams are still in St. Louis, I thought was so great because it, it was fitting for what Isaac Bruce has done to the community and continues to do, and, and frankly, all of those St. Louis Rams that still play a role in the community, and then, to see Joe Buck go in and, you know, and and be able to talk about his dad and his, and and stuff like that. Like this was just kind of a really cool, you know, sports weekend off the field in in so many ways. I I thought it was awesome.
2: It was fun. Curbs. Always good to hear your voice. Thanks for the time. We appreciate it. All right, guys have an awesome week. Uh, Randy, keep the abacus out. Those lines are going to be coming together soon. Okay. I will. It's uh, I will have it out and about, and I actually keep it on the passenger seat of my car. Is that I'm right? Yeah, Just yeah. In case. I believe it. It's a little light. I <laughs> Take
3: care, Curbs. All right, see you guys. That All is right. Chris Kerber joining us on 101 ESPN. Well, Coming up. Re- hey, do you remember, though, in spring, I uh, I had, you you and Michelle made fun of me because I had a receipt that was kind of a long yep, receipt. Yep, And uh, on the back of it. It was I, a CVS receipt. It was like six feet long. Yeah. And, um I actually had my, my rosters going into spring that, yeah. training and who's on the bubble, who's not. So you do think about those things. Right. I do. I do, too, all the time. I'm sitting there writing, okay, does uh, Carlos go in the bullpen? If he doesn't, all right, here's an iteration of that roster. I do. I think about that stuff all the time. See, that's good. That's why we are what we are. We're passionate about this. We're just geeks. That's part
2: of it, too. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. Coming up, we've got the fight on one one ESPN.
3: Right, Michelle has the uh, day off she'll be back with you tomorrow eight forty. time check brought to you by Clarkson jewelers time for the fight we say good morning on this Monday to Nathan hello Nathan how are you I'm doing great how are you I'm doing well uh you sound like a young man you sound like you're fired up you're ready to take down Randy know for sure that I am pulling for you what do you do for a living uh I'm a I'm a lab tech a lab tech so what's that mean? What do you, you go in and fix computers? You're, you're like doing programs? What do you do?
0: Uh, I work in a, a manufacturing plant in the laboratory, quality insurance.
3: Okay. Are you a sports fan? Because yes. if you're a lab tech, that, that that probably means you're a smart guy and can retain a lot of info. Uh, I hope so. All right. You ready to go? Yes, sir. Happy 46th birthday to former Cardinals pitcher Matt Morris. Matty Moe was the NL wins leader in which season? Was it 2001, 2002, or 2004?
1: Uh, Let's go 2001.
3: Happy 54th birthday to Hall of Famer Deion Sanders. Sanders is the only pro athlete to play in both a Super Bowl and in a World Series. Which team was he on when he made his 1992 World Series appearance? Was it the Atlanta Braves, the New York Yankees, or the Cincinnati Reds?
1: Uh, let's go
3: brace. Happy 56th birthday to blues legend Brett Hall. Holly spent 20 seasons in the NHL, more than half of that time with the Blues. Which team did he end his NHL career playing for? Was it the Detroit Red Wings, the Dallas Stars, or the Phoenix Coyotes?
0: Uh the Red Wings.
3: And happy uh, 51st birthday to former Blue Rod Brendamore. Brendamore was drafted by the Blues in the 1988 draft. Went on to play the next season at which university before joining the Blues? So was it at Michigan, Michigan State, or Central Michigan?
1: Uh, Let's go Michigan State.
3: All right. Got it. Okay. Randall, we'll bring him back in. The great Randy Carricker. Randall has taken off his mask, being uh, socially responsible to others, and now putting on his headset, right ear in. Ooh, there's some play-by-play. Left ear in. Ready, Randall. Say good morning to Nathan. Nathan,
2: how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. Just out of curiosity, are you a fan of the Fourth of July hot dog eating contest? Uh, I think I watched it uh, last year. Br- brought to you by Nathan's Hot Dogs. Official
3: hot dog of the St. Louis Cardinals. Happy 46th birthday to former Cardinals pitcher Matty Moe, Randall. Yeah, Morris, my guy. Morris was the NL wins leader in which season? Ooh, let's see. I'm going to go,
2: was it 02? Because 02 was the year that Gerald Kyle passed away. I don't think it was O two. 2 I will go with
3: O one. one Happy 54th birthday to Hall of Famer Dion Sanders. Prime time. Sanders is the only pro athlete to play in both. I don't know if you knew this, a Super Bowl and a World Series. Oh, really? Which team was he on when he made his 1992 World Series appearance? He was on, as uh, Tim McCarver will recall, the Atlanta Braves. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> What he, Tim was doing the games. You're a real man, Deion. <laughs> Atlanta Braves. <laughs> Happy 56th birthday to <laughs> Blues legend Brett Hall. Hall, spent 20 seasons in the National Hockey League. More than half of that time was with the Blues. Mm-hmm. Which team, though, did he end his NHL career playing for? Uh, As he calls it. uh, Oh, no.
2: Actually, he went to the Arizona Coyotes and played for Wayne Gretzky at the end. I was going to say the toilet, but he did
3: go and play for uh, Gretzky and the Coyotes. Happy. I got you on a technicality there, but. Oh, you did. I'm going to let it go. Okay. I'm like, uh, it's Jeopardy. I'm going to let that go. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Johnny. We good with that? Yes. Johnny is giving the nod that you are okay. You ready for another one? Ready. Happy fifty-four uh, fifty. I did it again. Happy fifty-first birthday to former Blue Rod Brendamore. Brendamore was drafted by the Blues in the nineteen eighty-eight draft. Mm-hmm. Went on to play the next season at which university before joining the Blues. I will do the old lifeline here. Daniel was in Michigan, Michigan State, Central Michigan. I'm going to go ahead that he
2: was a Spartan of Michigan State. Emily, we
3: have a winner.
6: Go crazy, folks! Go crazy!
1: The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight sponsored by Ryan Kelly and HeroLoan.com. Check out how they help veterans and service members at the new and improved HeroLoan.com.
3: Randy wins 4 to 3. <laughs> Happy forty-sixth birthday to Matty Moe. He was the NL wins leader in two thousand one. He won twenty-two games that year. I think I think he finished third in the Cy Young. He was great. He's ninth. I know for this for a fact. Um not ninth. He's sixth all-time in strikeouts in Cardinals history. I do think he's going to be a Cardinal Hall of Famer. Um he was twelfth overall pick in nineteen ninety-five, having interviewed him a bunch about this, but I do think he's going to go to the I agree. Cardinals Hall of Fame. Uh Deion Sanders. Uh, played in both the Super Bowl World Series. He was, uh, in 1992, he was with the Atlanta Braves. And you had to reference when Dion decided to take the bucket of ice and dump it over Tim McCarver. Why did you go down that road, Randy?
2: Because I remember him doing so in a Braves jersey.
3: Mm. Happy 56th birthday to Brett Hall. 20 years, NHL, half of that time with the Blues. This is the, uh, so... Unfortunately, Nathan Pitch uh, picked Detroit. That is not correct. It is, you said, the Arizona Coyotes. Technically, it was Phoenix, Phoenix I believe, Coyotes. at that time. But okay. I'm going to let that slide. Thanks. That franchise. He I played uh, five games. I think he had an assist. Yeah. Did not score a goal, I don't believe, for the Phoenix Coyotes. Called her quits, eh? Yes, he did. Uh, Rod Brendamore, drafted by the Blues in '90 '88. Uh, went on to play at which university and it was michigan state he was a spartan he was the ninth overall pick and do you remember like the workouts that he would put himself through yeah. when he was in michigan state everybody talked about this guy was a workout fanatic yep i remember yeah. that he, yeah.
2: he was ex- well and he's still exceptionally shredded yes and he, part of and by the way he was a really 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 good player Part of the Blues trying to scramble out of losing Scott Stevens. They traded him to Philly for Murray Barron and Ronnie Sutter. And they thought Murray Barron was going to somehow approximate
3: Scott Stevens and didn't quite come close. Hey, Nathan, uh, thank you for playing. Thanks for hanging with us. And uh, continue to listen to 101 ESPN. Sure thing. Thanks for having me. You got it. Nathan, have a uh, great day. So, Randall, you win. Uh, You will have a new challenger tomorrow. Thank you, Dan. No problem.
2: (laughs) Coming up, USA basketball comes away with gold again, and it wound up being a sensational Olympics for the USA. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101
1: ESPN.
2: Carriker and Smallman. 2021 Summer Olympic Updates. And Dan, congratulations to the USA Olympic team. They led everybody in overall medals with 113. China had 88. Led every country with 39 gold medals. China had 38. Led every country in silver medals with 41. Second place was China with 32. And led everybody in bronze medals with 33. The uh, Russians were second with 23. And the USA basketball team over the weekend came away with another gold medal. That is the fourth consecutive gold medal for the USA men's basketball team. They go 5-1 and one in the tournament. Kevin Durant was fantastic. And the last time the U- USA didn't
3: win gold was 2004. So in men's basketball, we're on a pretty good roll. What were you uh, most interested in watching in the Olympics? I'm always interested, fascinated with men's basketball. Generally speaking, um, I think Michael Phelps has changed me on swimming. Not that I wasn't Mm -hmm. involved before. I I enjoyed it. I just pay attention to it more because he was just electric to watch. So I do pay attention to that. Um, I do love seeing the fastest people in the world compete. So I'll watch the sprints. Um, And that was great. And Allison Felix becoming the most decorated track star
2: in U.S. history, passing uh, Carl Lewis, she, and obviously the most decorated woman passing
3: Jackie Joyner-Kersey, that was very cool. I also, uh, great to see baseball back in. It was fun to see golf this year. Yeah. Um, so if I, I was, was very gonna, interested yeah. there.
2: If I was going to pick a USA player to win, it, it probably would not have been Xander Shoffley. I probably would have gone with Justin Thomas. But that was another great goal to win. And by the way, the USA women's uh Olympic basketball team
3: is unbelievable. Oh yeah. I mean they dominate. They just I, never lose. I I was thinking about this. If you're the folks that are in Tokyo whether you're um a citizen, whether you're part of the government, uh you're part of the IOC, are you just happy it, it even though you didn't have fans. You know what? We were canceled. We just got through it. It's like the NFL last year or like baseball. The fact that they were able to to pull it off
2: without having a major outbreak or any major serious uh, health issues was pretty amazing because i didn't think with everything that was going on in tokyo that they would be able to
3: do it however uh how much money did you lose by let's say your opening night you know where you've got all the bars and restaurants you've been building up for this for years uh you've created such beautiful facilities for the athletes to compete in, and everybody's excited in a non-COVID situation to go out and celebrate mm-hmm. and showcase your city. I, I, I guess you are it's bittersweet. I, I don't know. I, I'm going to throw this out there. Maybe somebody on the text line or you can help me out, Emily. Is it bittersweet because, yes, we got through it, and, yes, we did showcase our country um, and our people and our culture and all those things, but, man, we, we just – we had all this built up, and we can't have people around. How much money did we lose on not only the tickets, but I mean, like just the celebration yeah. of being in that town and the bars and the restaurants and and people enjoying themselves and people coming in, uh, the tourists, those yep. kind of things? I, I it's got to be astronomical. Well, the losses financially, I would assume. Then, when you add in the cost of facilities
2: that went unused, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be. Extraordinarily expensive for
3: Tokyo, and we're it's not going to be uh, a big loss. We're not far away from Paris. Paris is in Sorry, two years. True. Yeah, you so. know, so it's right around the corner. You're going to have that again. Uh, the text line, the three one four says water polo is underrated and very fun water to watch. Cool, I agree with that. I-, I wonder some other sports that we're missing. What else did you like watching? That you go, man. I, I'll sit and watch that. That's something that I don't normally see, so I watch fencing. Really? Yeah, I I was watching the fencing. When I was in high school, they had us do fencing.
2: And those people are great athletes. When you think about the stamina that they have to have in sticking with it and then being quick and having the hand-eye coordination to hit the right spot with your little sword. I think it's called a sword. I don't know. But I I watched it, and it was fun,
3: even though I knew nothing about it. Did you watch any of the baseball? I did. I watched the baseball. Um, I think the American team would win if you had the Dodgers out there <laughs> yeah I think so too yeah you know um because that was former major league players good players yeah you know young guys we were got in the them gold there. medal game with those guys right they might win if they have Matthew Libertor they maybe would do that who knows yeah Matthew was very good in the qualifying he was I and wonder if it was disappointing for him not to go I'm gonna I'm supposed to visit with him uh this week I'm gonna ask him yeah, yeah I, I mean you you you, you were for lack of a better term, you're the property of the the team, you know, I mean, and and that's the most important thing. Keep you on a fifth day, keep building up and you want to get to the big leagues. But deep down, are you disappointed you didn't compete in that? I, I can see how somebody would be. Overall,
2: we have more athletes. We have more resources for our athletes to be great than any other country in the world. I like when the USA in athletics is number one. We're obviously in athletics. So that's our job to talk about athletics. And it's a jingoistic thing, but it's important for me that the USA win the medal count. It's a jingoistic thing. Yeah, we are all about every country. Oh, it's uh, it's uber patriotic that uh, we're dismissive of uh, other countries because we think our country is the best.
3: I think uh, the best part of the Olympics, and this is probably overstating the obvious, is the sense of relief when somebody medals or wins, and the just the pure joy of watching them, I mean, the amateur athletes for mm-hmm. the most part, and seeing them just, it, a dream come true that they've built up for so long, and have really no fanfare except for yeah. these couple of weeks. right? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, they put so much into it, and put really their lives on hold to train to be the best in that particular field, and to see it come to fruition is just yeah. amazing. And you know what I miss, Dan? I miss the USA
2: being dominant in boxing. I loved it when I was a kid, and you knew watch. that the USA was going to. It was the USA and either Cuba or Russia, and that's where the medals were going. But we just don't have that dominant boxing program anymore, like we used to have. Sugar Ray was pretty good back in the day. That was Leon fun. And, Leon and yeah. Michael, yeah we're, yeah, we're both pretty good. And yeah, it used to be Roy Jones Jr., yeah, De La Hoya, everybody that. Not everybody. If you want a gold at the Olympics, you were going to be a high-profile professional boxer, and it just doesn't work that way anymore, unfortunately.
3: This, uh, let's see, three one four. Watching the wrestler win gold at the last second was my highlight. That's good. pretty good. I mean, wrestling. We can talk about marathoners. We can talk about, you know, long-distance running, and uh, certainly in the pool. I'll tell you what, man, wrestling is so hard. Holy cow, is it hard, Randy? Yeah. I mean, when you're cutting weight. And the endurance and the strength you have to have to do that—that's incredible. Yeah, it's such a hard sport. Might be the. Heart. I think it is. Yeah, it's the most physically grueling sport brutal. that they have in the Olympics. You ever wrestled?
2: I no, mean, Drew, not, no, I, I have
3: not. I, as a kid, I wrestled. Yeah, it I was so I, hard. I'm not tough enough to do that. It was brutal. I can imagine. It's tough. You're a tough dude if you're wrestling or so, lady. So now, uh, yeah. Great two and a half weeks and a, a great job by
2: Team USA. That's Dan. I'm Randy. Coming up, today's big thing, Peyton Manning with some really fun and interesting comments last night at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman
1: podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
2: It's time for today's big thing. And Dan, over the years, we have thought of Isaac Bruce as a... uh, He's a guy that is very quiet. He's not very vociferous. He's generally soft-spoken. He'll tell you what he thinks, but not in a way that is overpowering. And it was really interesting on Saturday night because... Isaac had his speech on his iPad. He put it up on the podium, and Chris Berman inadvertently took the podium or took the iPad with his papers. So Isaac didn't have his speech. It wasn't written down, he didn't have it on the teleprompter. So everything you heard from him for 10 minutes was truly from the heart. And when you hear him talk about his people that got him to where he is, it was truly from the heart. To the city
7: of St. Louis, its fan base. I love you. Thanks for all the love. Thanks for embracing me and my team for 21 great years. We grew up there. I love you and I thank you. To my teammates, Tori Hope, Marshall, Orlando, Kirk, Ricky Pro, who made the biggest catch of my career in the NFC Championship game, Oz, all my tight ends who are represented here today. Thanks for clearing it out. And thanks for Max blocking. I appreciate you, baby. Todd Hewitt, Tiffany Burns, who worked so hard. Jim Anderson, all my quarterbacks. Start from day one with Samuel Bruce in the front yard on 29th Avenue. Deshaun Hill getting me right. London Fletcher, Keith Lyle, Todd Light. All my imaginary friends growing up in South Florida and Tatertown. Mark Clayton, Mark Dupa. And we took a picture with Dan Marino, man. You know, it, that's my guy. Jackie Slater. Julius Irvin, Dr. J, for always saying God did it before he did, gave an interview. That left an impression on me. All the defensive backs, that the ones that baptized me and the ones that I baptized. Thank you. I appreciate you. I love you. So we, we awesome. should
2: note, and by the way, he had written it out. He'd gone through the speech, but... Probably rehearsed it a lot, <laughs> yeah. countless yeah. times. But wanted to make sure that he
3: recognized St. Louis right off the bat. That's great. And Todd Hewitt, longtime equipment man, noticed mm-hmm. that. I mean, it's the people behind the scenes. It's not only those in uniform with you. You know, Randy, as you know, we were covering the Rams. um And in my job, when I first got into doing a lot of this stuff, was I was the stringer to get sound in both mm-hmm. locker rooms. AP, UPI, ESPN low, I mean you name it I had it It was a chance to make some money And going down to those games All I can remember And to me he is the ultimate Ram and we, can, we can talk about all these other guys But he was there through thick and thin yep. And the point I'm going to make is that When Tony Banks was under center And they were awful he was still putting up numbers, and everybody in the stadium knew he was going... He didn't check off to Isaac Bruce. I mean, he got under center, and he's looking where Bruce is. And yep. It was going his way, and still he was finding a way to get open when everybody was keying on him, and they knew... He was the guy that was going to get the ball. It was amazing how good he was. Yeah, he is and he was a
2: remarkable ab- player. Yeah, his ability to get open was unmatched and
3: getting in and out of cuts and getting open which Do the you knowledge. remember that though yeah, with Tony ba- I mean Tony would lock in on him. That was Ed. He didn't look anywhere else. No. It was only on no. Isaac Bruce and he still found a
2: way. And Isaac has said before because I I brought it up to him. I said you got balls for 1,781 yards with Steve Walsh and Tony Banks as a rookie throwing you balls. He said,
3: yeah, that's the most impressive thing in my career. (laughs) Did he really? Yeah. Because, I mean, when you finally got um, a a running back and somebody on the other side of the field or you had a tight end that they... And they had some decent tight ends, mm -hmm. too. I mean, Conwell you could throw the ball to a little bit. There were some others. But that was the guy. And so there was nobody else offensively you were looking at. Nobody. Right. Meanwhile, if you watch... Peyton's Places
2: on ESPN Plus, you know how creative Peyton Manning is. And that creativity was on display last night when he was inducted with the 2021 class.
4: The legendary John Madden says that the Hall of Fame bus whispered to each other at night. And it's actually true. My son Marshall and I have heard it. But I also think that they run plays at night. They scrimmage. They throw a little seven on seven. The other night I had a dream that I was in one of those scrimmages. The other team's coaches were Vince Lombardi and Paul Brown. My coaches, Bill Cower and Jimmy Johnson. That's right, a cowboy and a Steeler working together only in Canton, Ohio. We were on the 50 yard line with only three seconds left in the game. Coach Cower called a running play. I said, Coach, I'm gonna have to audible Omaha. I caught, a bat- I caught a pass play. My bus faked a handoff to Barry Sanders. I threw a 20-yard break-in route to Michael Irvin right as Deacon Jones and Ray Nitsky hit me at the same time. Irvin, as he was getting tackled by Ronnie Lott, then lateraled to Steve Largent, who was in a foot race down the sideline with Daryl Green and Lim Barney. The savvy Largent, knowing he couldn't win a foot race with Daryl Green, then lateral back to Lance Allworth, who dove into the end zone for the game-winning score. Now, yesterday, it was just a dream, but tonight, it's reality.
2: Isn't that great? You, you can picture that in your mind with uh, Peyton Manning
3: and all of those Hall of Famers and just loved joining that group. I got goosebumps listening to that, and... I also noticed, and I loved what he said at the end of his speech. I watch his speech, but at the end, he talked about how you are the torchbearer, if uh, if you will, of the sport. It's your responsibility to make sure that you continue to carry on the legacy of those, but also advance the game, teach the game. Make sure kids want to play this sport that's been through. It's had a lot of hits, Mm -hmm. obviously. Um, And then when I heard some of that stuff, I I wanted to say, well, that's true. And you probably shouldn't move out of markets. But I didn't. (laughs) I I, I digress. But it was it was a really well thought out, smart speech. He was he was great. Yeah, he's he's remarkable what he does. He loves, just loves the sport. Yes. And it
2: is amazing because if, like, have you ever seen his Peyton's Places things on oh, yeah, HBO Plus? Yeah. He does such a great job. With he's those. a natural at it. He, he is the face of football. By the way, I'll pass along one other thing. Paul Tagliabue was inducted on Saturday, Saturday night, the former commissioner. And he knew that the Rams needed to leave L.A. when they came here. If Paul Tagliabue, and he's 80 years old now, he wasn't going to be the commissioner six years ago. But if Paul Tagliabue were in charge with his beliefs about what the NFL
3: should be, then the Rams never would have moved back to L.A. You don't think so? No, not even with the he would. You know, ultimately the commissioner is at the behest of the owners, but he with the idea yeah. of keeping the game as pure as it can be, for lack of a better term. But he works for the owners. But I think he would have put his
2: thumb down on Jerry Jones in that particular instance. There were some where, but like when Jerry Jones took his share of NFL properties. And so everybody else in the league, the other 31 teams share their, or share equally, jersey sales, uh, shot glass sales, anything that has an NFL logo on it is shared among the 31 teams. So team that doesn't sell anything like the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, they get as much as the Patriots from NFL properties. And it's 31 because the 32nd team is Cowboy, the Cowboys. And Jerry Jones took all of his in-house and they keep all of their own profits. And that was something I don't think that Tagliabue wanted to fight. I think he did want to fight for keeping teams
3: in markets. It does seem like, and this is generally speaking in sports, when you own a team, when you have a family ownership that is invested in the community that doesn't even become an issue no when when it becomes part of a part a portfolio for said owner then all ties any emotional ties are over right and that's why pittsburgh and the roonies are so great
2: and the organization is so great and those players part of the culture in pittsburgh is that the players are part of the community and you could really tell that this weekend with all the steelers
3: that went in i think about it from when we go to pittsburgh this time of year for baseball Mm mm-hmm now you got high school coming up. You got college firing up and not you know they they weren't a massive franchise until Mario Lemieux got there, but obviously with him and and Crosby and winning, it's a hockey town too and it's such a football town. I mean, everything is black and gold when you go there. You turn on talk radio, everybody's talking right now about the Steelers mm-hmm. and they've been doing it really all summer. But um, it is amazing how much that community gets behind that football team. It's just remarkable. It is a it's Steelers It's like the Cardinals town. here. It's yeah. The, the the Steelers in Pittsburgh are the Cardinals in St. Louis. Yes. That's the way to
2: look at it. That's today's big thing. It's Carricker and Smallman. Danny Mack for Michelle this morning. Coming up, what is going to be the Cardinals' competitive advantage going forward? What can they do to give themselves an edge over the rest of baseball? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the character and Smallman podcast
1: on 101 ESPN.
2: Character and Smallman, Michelle is out today. She'll be back tomorrow. Dan McLaughlin in for Michelle. And a couple of weeks ago, we had John Mozalak on the show, and I asked him if the Cardinals, who consistently talk about what their competitive advantage can be, if one of their competitive advantages could be reinvesting in a quality bench so that whenever anybody is out, they have a pretty good player, a reliable player to fill in. And here is how Mo responded.
4: No, it is hard. And it, it's, it depends. You know, you ask Kisner where he'd rather be. And, you know, we're, we know what that answer looks like. I think when you look at, at bench players, when you're out in the, in the free agent market, a lot of guys aren't looking for 150 at bats or 200 at bats. They're looking for everyday playing time. Um, I don't think people are like just admit that they're looking for that backup role. And when you think about like bench, I mean, we were sort of looking at like Matt Carpenter, someone that would give us that veteran presence off the bench. But even he hasn't, you know, played as well as we had hoped given the fact that he was used to being an everyday player. So it's not just spending, Randy. It's really about having a mindset of accepting that role.
2: And for me, Dan, it's about being able to take advantage. We, we talk about cost certainty and finding an advantage. To me, one of the things that is mis- underrepresented in baseball, maybe completely non-represented, is that middle-class player. We've got a lot of guys that make 8 ten million $9, $10 million, and we've got a lot of guys that make $550,000. The Cardinals bench at the beginning of this year had Lane Thomas, it had Austin Dean, it had Justin Williams, it had Edmundo Sosa and Andrew Kisner. All young players making the minimum. Why not go out and sign a guy that's been around for 10 or 12 years and take advantage of his experience? Players always talk about how the most difficult thing to do is to pinch hit, come off the bench cold and face a really good relief pitcher. To me, it would make sense to have guys either that are playing on a semi-regular basis, like the Giants play everybody on a regular basis, Their version of Yadier Molina is Buster Posey, who plays two, sits one, plays two, sits one, plays two, sits one. Why not either have a sharper bench or a more veteran bench that might cost three or four million dollars more?
3: Well, I think in the current 2021 way that it's set up in the National League, I agree. However, let me throw this out at you. If you have a DH next year, and so you're not double switching as much, um... Are your resources better allocated towards, at least in my mind? And the question is about being more competitive next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple things I would look at. I, I got to see where I'm at at the end of the season with my middle infield. So, am I going to invest in somebody there? Um, I've got to look at my bullpen. I got to I got to find people that can throw strikes. Right. That's I huge. have to find people that can throw strikes. And then, having said that, maybe a byproduct of that is I've got to be covered with an innings eater of some sort. Now, it may be that you're going to bring back Waino and you're going to have Dakota Hudson. Maybe Jordan Hicks goes in your rotation. Jordan Hicks, uh, this is interesting. I was doing a season ticket holder event uh, last week, and Mo talked about the potential of both Reyes and Hicks being stretched out as starters next year. Now, yeah. Reyes is going to have to throw strikes. That's his biggest problem. You know, his walk rate's around 20%, 25%. And so is Hicks. So that means he would last four innings, three right. innings. Same mm-hmm. with those guys. You know, but so that's something I got. But I got to feel covered that when Flaherty goes down, Michaelis goes down, um, that it's not Johan Oviedo trying to learn on the fly. And Jake Woodford was not an answer. I, I got to have an uh, an established guy that I feel comfortable with as an innings eater. So my investment, even before the bench, might be that I'm looking at that. I got to figure out what's going on with my middle infield. And I've got to figure out more people that can throw strikes out of my bullpen. Right. And again, that goes back to being
2: a veteran, a guy that you know can throw strikes out of the bullpen, rather than having a... a bullpen full of young kids who have a ton of potential. Get some people that are reliable that you know that have done it before.
3: And Look, I love watching Genesis Cabrera come in and throw 100. He's had a good year. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Giovanni Gallegos has has been terrific for the most part of the year. Now he's kind of hit a wall here. And the numbers will will bear that out. He's getting hit harder. Um, his slider hasn't been as good, which is just a, a devastating neutralizing pitch. And then Reyes has had a good year in the back end of the bullpen. There's been a, a couple of blips here recently, but the big picture is that he's been fine. As much as I love seeing guys come in and throw smoke, th- that's great. I want guys that throw strikes. I got to have. I mean, at the halfway point of the season, Randy, the Cardinals were on pace for 700 walks. Yeah. 700 walks and they're going to have a good shot with what is it seven weeks left in the season now eight whatever it is seven I think that they could set the all-time record with bases loaded walks and hit by pitches I mean that's a problem so I've got to figure that out because I've lost a lot of games by walking people and I I just can't have it. it it just cannot do it
2: So essentially what we're talking about is having a more veteran presence on the team. And I think that that can be your competitive advantage. If we both agree, we're looking for different guys, but you need a competitive advantage somewhere.
3: And I don't think you have to spend a ton of money to have it. Now, do you want a thumper or do you want Skip Schumacher? Do you want Aaron Miles? Do you want Nick Punto? Who do you want? Or do you want a guy that that when he comes off the bench, he could hit you a three run homer?
2: I would like to have that and I think you can get multiples. I go back the the team that I think you and I both agree the the oh four team is the best Cardinal team we've seen, right? Yeah. You have Abraham Nunez because of injuries getting four hundred and twenty one at bats with that team and he hit two eighty five. Uh he was fine. Yeah, he seven oh four OPS. You had so coming off the bench for that team, very effective fourth outfielder. Uh Reggie Sanders ultimately, Lankford I think was on that team. Yep, Mabry was on that team. Uh, John Rodriguez did a lot of good things. There were some really interesting,
3: good players on that team that were all
2: keys to winning
3: 105 games. Now I think Mo makes a, a valid point. You you got to have two that, you know, got to have two to tango. Yeah. So you got to have the player that comes in with the understanding that you're not going to get 500 at bats anymore. You are going to get yeah. maybe 300. You also, you know, you were talking about San Francisco. They're kind of the outlier with how Gabe Kapler uses his team. He's analytically based, which all are. But, you know, the minute that, so say that's a left-hander on the mound to start the game. So he loads it up with Mm right-handed bats. And then all of a sudden, um, a right-hander comes in and he starts switching guys out. and, And part of that is the flexibility of the player. To play short to play second to go out to left field you have a third baseman that moves to first i mean he's got really interchangeable parts and uses them to the nth degree so you got to build your team that way not many are uh, to me they're the preeminent example of doing that not many teams do it like he's doing it but it works obviously so it, it's how you manage the games, too, yep. built around the team that you pr- are provided. So that's something that uh, you have to keep in mind as well. And you look at a guy like Chris Taylor, who plays, he's got the second most played appearances on the Dodgers,
2: and he's not one of their main guys. Right. If you have multiple people that can play. They had Mookie Betts playing second base this right. week. Yeah, Matt Beattie has uh, almost 200 played appearances. Uh, Zach McKinstry has been hurt, but he's been... A, a nice player. Albert comes over. You, you can find those guys. That's, Max that, Muncy. Yep. You know. Yep. That's Dan. I'm Randy. Coming up, Missouri has a new athletic director and uh, a guy who knows what's going on with Mizzou. Matt Fortuna wrote the story last night about Desiree Reed-Francois getting the job as Mizzou's AD. Matt will join us from The Athletic next on 101 ESPN.
1: We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN
2: dan mclaughlin randy carriker 101 espn yesterday mizzou named desiree reed francois the athletic director at unlv as their new ad and matt fortuna of the athletic had the story and joins us now on the brown and crouppen celebrity line on 101 espn in st louis matt thanks so much for your time good morning how are you doing doing well my friends how are you guys Everything's good here in St. Louis. I want to start with this. When Jim Sterk and Mizzou parted ways, part of Mizzou's statement said that they want to develop a strategic plan for Mizzou to achieve exceptional success in the SEC and to navigate a bold path in the rapidly evolving world of collegiate athletics. I think there might even be like a a Microsoft Word template that says that when you're looking for a new athletic director. (laughs) But what is it, Matt, about this new athletic director at Mizzou that will allow her to forge that bold path in the rapidly evolving world of college athletics?
5: You know, talking to people who have worked with Desiree, it sounds like she's a very bold leader, someone who treats people the right way while also demanding a lot of them. And I I wrote this uh, yesterday after the story broke. Uh, the, The SEC that Missouri joined in 2012 is not in the SEC that they're going to be in in the next couple of years. Whatever Texas and Oklahoma officially join and are playing an SEC football schedule. I mean, Missouri um, had a strong program; they're able to make the SEC title game and win the division in back-to-back years uh, in 2013, 2014. Uh, but but they got a new coach. Uh, they have some facility. They, they just opened a, a new facility, a new football operations center um, within uh, their football stadium. Um, they're, they're kind of keeping up with the Joneses, so to speak, but the money has just grown so astronomically high throughout that league, especially with the new ESPN deal coming, especially with Texas, Oklahoma coming to board in the next couple of years that, um, you know, when you talk about bold, innovative, strategic, um, you need someone who's going to be ready to, to roll up their sleeves and, and and go fight with the best. You know, not expect you to beat Alabama every year on the field or anything like that, but uh to at least show that you belong and i'm not saying missouri hasn't belonged, um but but it did sound like there was a little bit of concern beforehand about you know which direction this athletic department was going and they think they found uh, the woman capable of taking them to the next level that does read reprints well
3: so tell our listeners here in st louis a lot of mizzou alums here why is she the right one over other candidates that were mentioned
5: you know, there were a lot of uh, pretty big candidates up for this job. I'm surprised it moved as fast as it did just because of uh, the politics of the school and the number of people that were involved between a search firm and a search committee. But, uh, you know, she what comes from UNLV, obviously. She oversaw the, the completion of the Fertitta Football Complex, which is a $35 million facility there. She hired Marcus Arroyo. Uh, from Oregon, the offense coordinator there, whose pupil, Justin Herbert, seems to be turned out pretty well uh, in in the NFL right now, the reigning rookie of the year. Um, She was at Virginia Tech before that and was the uh, sport administrator for football. And I believe at the time was one of just four female uh, football sport administrators throughout the entire country. I know she was the first uh, minority female AD, I think, in the history of college sports um, when she took you an LV job in 2017. So she, she's done a lot of 1st She's been very progressive everywhere she's been, and she's implemented a lot of changes everywhere she's been. And now, obviously, um, you're at the, the highest of the high, so to speak. You're in the SEC. She has experience at Tennessee. She was part of the committee that hired Quanzo Martin, the men's basketball coach at Tennessee, who's obviously at Missouri right now. So she's familiar uh, with some people in the athletic department as is. Uh, but, but this is definitely a, a lot different from UNLV, that's for sure.
2: Matt Fortuna from The Athletic with us on 101 ESPN, talking about the new Mizzou Athletic director, Desiree Reed-Francois. One thing, Matt, that is going to be completely different for ADs it, and for kids that are driving down the street, they say, well, what what's different about it? It used to be your retired football coach became your AD mm-hmm. and he, he would glad hand people. Now with name image likeness, you mentioned how different the SEC is going to look, but there's going to have to be creativity. And it would seem to me knowledge of social media and branding for athletes that Athletic directors never had to deal with before, but if you're going to attract athletes to your school, you have to have a program that can provide those sorts of things.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And everyone's was kind of trying to figure out what that's going to look like now. Right. I mean, there's no federal national law and the NCAA basically has fought tooth and nail to keep this from ever happening. And finally, you know, threw up the surrender arms right on June 30th uh, the, the, on the eve of when uh, the, the, Few states that actually do have NIL laws decided to, to implement them into into legal action. So everyone's kind of you know playing from a blank canvas right now, so to speak. Yeah, it's going to take a lot of innovation, a lot of forward thinking, and a lot of cooperation to successfully navigate this. I mean, I know just you know from, from living in Chicago and having covered Notre Dame pretty closely, you know, even Notre Dame, which you know has been some of the best and brightest the world has to offer, um, they ran through a lot of um, red tape both on um, and their student athletes early on about. You know where can their guys uh, you know, film from? When can they post? Can they allow ND colors? Can they allow ND logos? And that's not a problem unique need to Notre Dame. That's going to happen in Missouri. That's happening everywhere right now. There's just uh, so much unknown. And the last thing any of these compliance departments or, or athletic departments want to do is jeopardize their players' eligibility. So um, it's going to take a lot of forward thinking. Uh, I'll be curious to see what that landscape looks like uh, in the coming years, one, when there's hopefully a federal law and everyone can play from the, the same sheet of rules, and, and two, what's the market look like? I mean, uh, I, I think, you know, it's new and fancy and shiny, so everyone's throwing out big numbers and everyone's trying new things, but eventually there's going to be a course correction and we're going to see who's actually worth what and, and what everyone is getting out of this, and that's still a big unknown right now.
3: Matt Fortuna is our guest. Uh, Fortuna is our guest from The Athletic and broke the story about the AD at uh, Mizzou. You mentioned Conzo Martin, and we all realize that in the SEC or really in college sports, football drives the bus, and, and that's going to pay a lot of the bills. But uh, does her relationship with Conzo and having hired him previously, does that play into this at all, you think, with the, uh, the hiring of her to go to, uh, to Mizzou?
5: Yeah, it certainly can't hurt. I doubt it was any kind of difference maker. I mean, there were, again, a lot of people, qualified people up for this job who were interested in this job, but um, I, I just think she was ready to to take that next step and go to the next level. She had been involved in a number of, of high-profile AD searches over the past year alone. I know she interviewed at Northwestern um, earlier this year as well in Evanston. So, I, I mean, I can't speak to the specifics of her, her relationship with the men's basketball program, but... Um, Certainly, having worked with conzo in the past, that, that can't help. Uh, excuse me, that can't hurt. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, Matt, one more thing. I, I want to get your read on Mizzou just in terms of attractiveness. They just opened an almost a $100 million South End Zone facility a couple of years ago, building a new indoor practice facility. Last year, donors donated... $55.5 million for the Tiger Scholarship Fund to that set of record. Mizzou boosters appear to be doing a decent job, better than they ever have. So when she walks into this job, how good is it? I think it's a good job.
5: Of the potential to be great. And I hesitate to go much further, much more definitive than that, just because everything you just mentioned about Missouri, all those great things, all of which are true and they deserve to be praised for, uh, it's not all that different from what most schools in the SEC are doing right now and g- are going to have to keep doing uh, in order to, to keep up with the Joneses and act like real SEC football programs. I mean, I, I think especially throughout the national landscape right now, um, when you look at the financials, when you look at how much more the SEC and Big Ten have than every other conference, uh, I-, I don't think there's any beating around the bush right now. Every athletic director, every commissioner, Everyone with any stake in college sports is saying football, 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 because that's the ultimate uh, revenue maker. And, and you have to emphasize football. Missouri is is starting to do that. Looks like they have a great young coach in Eli Drinkwitz. They went five and five in in all SEC play last year. I know there's a lot of excitement around what they can do in year two under him. Um, so so they're definitely pointing in the right direction. But you know it's kind of like conference realignment right now, right? We're all kind of waiting on edge to see. If another domino will fall and there might not be anything that jumps out that would make a whole lot of sense for any of the conferences right now. But there's definitely a sense within all those conference offices that if you're not you know, adding, if you're not being forward thinking and doing anything different right now, you're inevitably going to get left behind. And I think, you know, for, for lack of a better analogy, that that's kind of the situation that Missouri and a number of schools in the SEC, not named Alabama or LSU, find themselves in right now.
3: You may or may not know the answer to this, or you might be able to just make it an easy answer, but how much did uh, Eli Drinkowitz factor into this decision? You know, you, you have your your board, you, you've got all these people and presidents that are saying, yeah, we want this person, go get XYZ, but ultimately that person better have a pretty good relationship with the head football coach. So how much do you think that played into this?
5: I, I don't know. I, I would guess not all that big, just having, you know, covered uh, some other ad searches uh, fairly intimately I mean just Northwestern for lack of a better term I don't know if or lack of analogy, I don't know if there's a, a football coach who has earned a bigger say at his institution than Pat Fitzgerald a player and now a 16th year head coach has at Northwestern and like he wasn't involved really or was largely ignored, I think, throughout a a lot of the Northwestern AD search. So I I don't know what Eli Drinkwitz's involvement is. I can't imagine it was all that big because of what you mentioned as well. There were so many people who had their hands on this thing that, um, you know, it's hard to imagine one voice, you know, really having all that much say. A lot of times it's just a group coming to a consensus on someone.
2: Matt, great work, and you guys at The Athletic do great work. We advise everybody to go get their subscription, and we'll be reading you throughout the course of the college preseason and then, of course, the college football season, and hopefully we'll be able to have you on again. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Matt. Take care. Matt Fortuna from The Athletic had the story yesterday of the new athletic director at the University of Missouri, Desiree Reed-Francois, and she'll be officially introduced by the Tigers later this week. Don't you think – Eli's got to have a say in that. Yeah. Uh, Dave Matter said he's not going to be standing idly by. Yeah. I, I would think that there will be a, a stamp of approval from Eli. You have to get that.
3: And I would like to think that they do this, and you, you hit it on the head, and I, I brought it up earlier in the 7 o'clock hour, with name, image, and likeness and what's being done in college sports, it's it's kind of like the Wild Wild West right mm-hmm. now. Um, how innovative can we get to use that as an edge if we're not Alabama and Auburn and Florida and some of these places that have been uh, historically recent history and in Alabama's case for years, the preeminent college football program. So if we're going to compete in this league, what are the edges? What are, what's something we can do? To maybe get ahead of the game yep. and be as innovative as we possibly can to help these kids. You have to
2: be really savvy. Gary Pinkle said you're going to walk into a home of a top recruit and that kid's going to basically have an agent in the living room. Yeah. So you have to have a representative that can walk in and say to the agent, as they negotiate a contract, it's free agency.
3: Here's what we can provide for you. Yes. That's, uh, that's what yeah, it's going to come Absolutely. To I mean, seeing some of the numbers that some of these kids are already getting financially which i love i think they deserve it they earn it um and the ncaa has got to idly sit by which i love mm-hmm. um i think it's great and I, I want to see these kids make that kind of money because they're generating so much money yep they deserve it absolutely <laughs> Coming up, we've
2: got your chance to win a four-pack of tickets for next Tuesday night's Budweiser Bash for the Cardinals Brewers on August 17th. Cards and Brewers. And the Budweiser Bash is awesome next week. An exclusive David Freeze bobblehead. The winner must be 21 and over. Tickets courtesy of Budweiser and 101 ESPN. Get all the details for next Tuesday night's Budweiser Bash at cardinals.com promotions. Right now, though, a four-pack of tickets available for you. And this will be for texter number... 39 in honor of our friend Al Rabosky. texture number 39. Dan and I talked earlier about the Olympics and told you who the most decorated female track star of all time is for USA Olympics. Who did we say it is? That's coming That can be uh, that is the answer. Just text in 65780. Text your number 39 will win the Bud Bash ticket giveaway. And we'll be doing that throughout the course of the week. We're going to cross things over as we head towards the Danny Mac show. Coming up next on 101 ESPN. We
1: are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
2: Congratulations to Ryan from Evansville, Illinois. He knew that Allison Felix was the most decorated female track Olympian ever. And so Ryan is on his way to the Budweiser
3: Bash next week for the David Freeze bobblehead. So congratulations to him. That is going to be a cool night next Tuesday as the Cardinals officially... Welcome, David Freeze, back into the family. Not that he always wasn't there, but he was getting tugged at by other places, and um, and he said, "No, uh, I'm a Cardinal, and that's the way I'm gonna I'm gonna be." Now, it's not to say that he won't, you know, go be part of a special night with somebody else, but um, he has embraced what happened in Game Six and uh, understands its importance, how meaningful it was for so many people and fans. So uh, he's gonna. He's going to be welcome back next week. It's a Budweiser bash. He's going to throw out the first pitch. You'll you'll be seeing highlights throughout the game and different things of David Free. So, hometown hero coming back. Pretty cool. Hey, Dan, we've talked a lot about things the Cardinals can do better and how they can build a
2: competitive advantage. One of the things that the Cardinals had for a long time, not that it's bad now, but they had so many great people in this organization. And when you lose the likes of Dan Kantrovitz and you lose Mark Dijon, who retired, who was their main minor league guy, and then the minor league staff that included people like Mike Schilt and Carlos Marmal, they're promoted to the majors, and you have to have new pop people. Warner. Yep. So, so you have to have new people at the minor league level that are inherently, they're they're going to be less experienced in what you do. There are... I think people like to look at the top and say, well, everything is on John Moselak and Mike Gersh. There are a lot of extenuating circumstances within an organization
3: that cause it to not be what it was in the past. Well, I I would say this, though. They're not far away from Libertor. You're not far away from Nolan Gorman. And I understand what you're saying about the coaching side, but they're top heavy in that regard. There's a couple others that they like that they think can help. And then you're going to get Mason Wynn. You're going to have Jordan Walker. Uh, They like the young man that they picked this year that should not be that far away. You know, so one of the things that they've done to have the success that they've had is a lot of times they did not trade away some of those guys. However, you look at what they gave up with Goldschmidt or That's a big gap with some of those players that are gone. And Ozuna, that's five, six, seven, eight, nine. That's a dozen
2: players, a dozen minor leaguers that you traded away. And I think sometimes we overlook that. That was was big. Yeah. How big would Sandy Alcantara... Now, you wouldn't have had Ozuna, which I thought was a good trade at the time. But how how different would the organization look if you have Alcantara and Zach Allen? uh,
3: Yeah. (laughs) Especially Alcantara. Right. I mean, he's... He's elite. He's He's, a number one guy. Absolutely he is. And we saw him when he came up with St. Louis. He was hitting triple digits, but he was unpolished. And when I watched him pitch against the the Cardinals this year as a day game, and he went all nine and took the loss, um, he was as good as any starter we've seen this year. And the Cardinals traded for a guy who had won
2: a silver slugger and a gold glove. It hit 37 homers, driven in, I think, 124 or something like that. At the time he needed him. Right. And... Everybody loved. Not a, I, I. I guess there's people out there that didn't love that trade when it happened, but around baseball, people loved that trade. And Cardinal pitchers were saying, "That's the guy you
3: really didn't want to face in that lineup." I, I would say this: that this year, um, unless they they really want to, you know, part with some of these guys, I, I don't think Nolan Gorman is going anywhere. By the way, he's been playing second base, mm-hmm. and he's been hitting down in Memphis for power. Um, they're going to have to to dip their toe into the free agency market and try to be aggressive, which wouldn't surprise me one bit, especially with what they have coming off the books. Um, I I would think that that's the way you got to go because Carpenter's off the books, Andrew Miller's off the books, Carlos Martinez is probably – I mean, all these guys are probably off the books. Um, I know I'm missing somebody else at uh, – Makes a fair amount of money, it's but Carpenter, Martinez, Miller, Fowler. That's it. Yeah, yeah. That's Fowler's fifteen million this year. So you you know you you got a chance to spend some money and kind of find what you think is uh, deficient with your club. And I, I we you know we talked about it earlier. There's a lot of areas they could go, and we do focus a lot on pitching. I think though, generally speaking, what has been frustrating with this team for me too has been the offense. What's going on with the offense? Yeah. You know, it's it's inconsistent. Um, and what time? You know what kind of time? What kind of team are you going to be in that time? Um, I like what I'm getting from Tyler O'Neill. Bader, I think, was something that in this season we didn't talk enough about losing, losing him. him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was a big loss, and that the the trickle down effect of him having to go on the IL, play Dylan Carlson in center, play Tommy Edmund in right, and then what you do at second base. The trickle-down effect was big, and I also think Bader has calmed things out defensively, calmed it down, um, takes charge, and he's been a a spark for you offensively. He's made an adjustment this year. So it's been some bad injuries. Obviously, they've had. A lot of teams have them. They just got to overcome them and figure out what those deficiencies are and then decide how you want to plug those holes. Dan, you can join the 101
2: ESPN Bomberito Street Fleet Thursday from 630 to 830 at Cybergs on Gravoy for the Michelob Ultra Putter Challenge. It's a free-to-play indoor golf game where you can score prizes and Mick Ultra swag, plus your chance to win a trip for two this Thursday night. You can win a trip for two to this year's Ryder Cup, a chance to get to the Ryder Cup. Don't miss out. Thursday, 6.30 to 8.30 with 101 ESPN at Cybergs on Gravoy. Get all the details on the Michelob
3: Ultra Putter Challenge at 101ESPN.com. What do we have coming up on the Danny Mac Show? Uh, I, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, Nick Ragone of the Ascension Charity Classic, he has put on uh, just a what seems to be coming to St. Louis, a great event, but he's going to unveil for us some of the players that will be coming to town. And some big names are coming to town. So looking forward to that and finding out exactly where we're at with that. You, you just mentioned the Ryder cup. So somebody gets Ryder cup tickets. Yeah. They're giving away a chance of all
2: of our trips around the local cyborgs with the Putter challenge, whistling straights.
3: Oh, wow. So yeah, you so drive there Wisconsin, if you wanted, if you wanted to. Yeah. I bucket list things. So you've seen a lot. I've never been to a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I, w- I want to see a Super Bowl. Not as much as I used to, but I still want to knock it's it off. a list it. thing, yeah. I've seen a World Series, seen an All-Star game, seen a home run derby, um, seen stuff with the, the Blues and the Cup, so that was cool. But a Ryder Cup would be on my bucket list. Too. Um, probably a run for the Roses, going to the, the Derby. That, those were my two, the Derby and the Ryder Cup. and I probably should get on
2: it if I want to go up to the Ryder Cup, shouldn't I? Because you I'm should go a this over year, a month away. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. I
3: I have access, I just need to set it up. Oh, through our buddy. Mhm. Ah. Yeah. You could probably get really good access. You could get yeah. a tent maybe? Maybe be in a tent, yeah. Yeah, that's so what I'm saying, gonna... well not you personally, yeah, we'll but We'll see what happens. Get a ticket there. Um what else would you want to see? Would you want to see like an open? I've never been to an Indy 500. I've been to an Indy 500. Yeah, very so cool. Be good. Yeah, but uh, like the British Open. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, I would love it. And mm-hmm. I, I've never been to a legitimate. And I know they aren't what they used to be, but a legitimate heavyweight championship. That bout. would be cool. Yeah. Does
3: UFC tickle your fancy no, at it all? Really doesn't. Really. Yeah. Especially being so close, where blood's going to land on me. I think. Yeah. I don't know. I I I think more people would lean to going to a UFC fight now, especially younger generation, than a a top weight heavyweight fight. Definitely, that's you're right. But you still get all the sightseeing at a top in boxing Vegas. match. Yeah. So if you went, if you had a fighter that was of the ilk of, of Tyson in his heyday, that would have been pretty cool. Yeah. And even now, I guess. Floyd Mayweather is still the one that
2: draws the crowds. I'm more interested in seeing the people in the crowd than the the match. Really? Yeah.
3: You just so, want the I'm, pomp and I'm, circumstance. I'm people watching. Totally. You gonna go gamble in Vegas? Oh yeah. I'll gamble. You would gamble? Something?
2: Oh yeah. I, I've gambled in Vegas. Yeah, I have. I've won money. Do you gamble on games? I do. Uh huh. Like FanDuel. Well, yeah, when it's obvious, like the the greatest show on turf, you couldn't lose, right? Right. So you took advantage of those opportunities when they presented themselves. Are you going to go to Whistling
3: Straits? When is it? What's the date?
2: Uh, I think it's September 21st mm. in that area. I'm going to try to get up there.
3: All right. Great job by our producer,
2: engineer, uh, Michelle, out today. Emily Butcher, thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, Danny, thank you very much for being here. This was a lot of fun. I always
3: enjoy doing a show with you. I think uh, I feel the same way. I think Friday we are together again, minus Michelle. We are. This is correct. I will not be with you on Thursday. It's an early game. I think like 1130. That's right. Cardinals in uh, Pittsburgh. Maybe Jack Flaherty. Maybe. What was it? He said with it possible or probable. He said he would use the PR word probable. Happy birthday to Mike Schild. Mike is celebrating a birthday with Ted Simmons today, too. How old is Mike? I think 53. And
2: Ted is 73. That sounds right. Well, oh, happy birthday to both of them. Yeah, happy it's birthday, great. guys. They're Leos, I guess. So great right. people. For all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, being a part of the show. And until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise.
6: Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged in with Chris Howard. The College Football Playoff Committee made their decision on Sunday. And as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama.
9: It's a well-known fact that good sleep leads to a happier life. Okay, maybe that's not a fact fact, but don't you just feel amazing after a great night's sleep? Like the first night back in your own bed after traveling. It's time to demand more first-night-back kind of sleep. Stop tossing and turning and talk with your doctor about how you can seize the night and day. And visit SeizeTheNightAndDay.com to learn more.